and we are live welcome welcome everyone one and all to your thursday hangout with jared and myself bearded drums live yes sir how are you doing this week my friend uh things are finally on the up and up that's good i got mike malone's kit i bought a snare drum yesterday and i got a haircut today we were discussing that earlier it's always nice for the fresh haircut when you're looking sharp haven't had a haircut in a while your hair was getting long yeah it's getting wild so yeah glad to have everybody that is here with us this week i'm sure they're trickling in as we speak, Bearded Drums Live coming to you every Thursday night, 6 p.m. Central Standard Time. And remember, as always, you can find the audio-only version of the podcast on Apple Podcast, Spotify, and actually, because I forgot, you can find it on Google, Google. Podcast, <laughs> even though nobody uses Google Podcasts. You can find it on all three of those places. Simply search Bearded, Bearded Drums. Drums. So, getting started with the show this week i don't have that much i know you have a bunch granted you said your your situation is improving now you're getting all your gear in and yep 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 you've well with the custom kit and then what you're going to talk about today you've had a pretty successful couple of weeks as far as gear is concerned oh yeah <laughs> maybe more than successful <laughs> if i can just get that guy to buy one of those kits it's going to be in the bag. Which ones are still for sale? I still have the... Catalina? The Catalina. The other Catalina. The Cut Down. Oh, you're going to sell that? Yeah. Uh -oh. I don't play it. Oh, I don't know about that. You like it that Everybody, much? Hugh has said as much. I said the same thing. That kit sounds really good. You need to keep that as your beater kit. Okay. Like, seriously, that's a really good kit. I'll hold on to it then. That's a good beater kit. Like, that could just, like... Oh, man, it's going to be super humid, and your drums are going to get soaked. Catalina cut down. Man, it might rain, and the stage isn't covered. Catalina, Catalina cut. cut down. <laughs> I mean, that is like the perfect kit for that. I'll hold on to it then. And it sounds killer, man. Like, that kit really does sound killer. Um, if, you, if anybody doesn't know, we've showed it on the show before. Jarrett has a Catalina maple. Yep. That was cut down to 22 to what? Uh... 11, I think, because he couldn't quite go 10. Yeah, of the, uh, skinny little 22. Yeah. And then you cut the 16 down to 10. 10. Yeah. Man, that kit is slapped so hard. Yeah, mm -hmm. if if you're... I would say don't get rid of That's a perfect little beater kit. I think you would be sad once you got rid of it. Like, for sure. And it's kind of cool because it's stacked up next to the, the Ludwig. Yeah. And it's so much smaller. It's like I didn't think like how much I took <laughs> off. It's like, it's a tiny little thing. Small footprint. I mean, that loading in would be a dream with that. You could put all of that on a cart and still have room to put other stuff on there. So Yeah, because I can fit the um, the rack tom. I'm thinking I could almost get away with the floor tom being inside mm -hmm. the same bag as the bass drum. That would be nice. And then I thought you said a guy was looking at the Catalina Club, though. Yeah, uh, he messaged me <clears throat> last week about the uh, premiere kit and... Uh, he's like, oh, you have this kit for sale, too? I was like, yeah, they're both mine, both getting rid of them. And um, I gave him the prices, and it's been a radio silence Man. for the past few days. So I'm not going to push anything. Um, no, just, uh, you know, if they want it, they'll, they'll message you. Friday, I'll be like, hey, man, I haven't heard back from you. If you're interested still, we can talk. It's whatever. And then um, I'm going to use that box of 
from I got from Mike. I'm gonna go and get a bunch of pictures taken of the Ludwig. Let's go ahead and get it boxed up and then throw that on the the Ludwig group. Yeah, yeah. And then be like, all right, nerds, <laughs> have at it. Ha- yeah, fight over it. <laughs> if you want to get it, if not, <laughs> I'll throw up a reverb before someone else snatches at it immediately. Yeah, really. Well, liquidate some of that stuff, and then you'll be, uh, you know, have cut you at least maybe either come back even to what you spent, um, or made a little money. So. Uh, Hopefully, you know, all the stuff sells quickly. I had good luck, so if I think if you stick with it. I'll get those done. I really want that Yamaha kit gone. Yeah. As much as I've loved it for all these years, I don't play anymore. I'd rather someone else get the mileage that I put in. It's all clean, too. Yeah, that's a dope kit. Anybody, I would imagine <coughs> somebody around here should take that. That's a good, that'd be a, another good kit you could just take and play and play and play and play. And it would hold up to. Oh, I'd be. I couldn't have cases for it for a long this time, so I would. <laughs> I'd literally have the bass drum in the front seat with me. Like I'd hold my hand on it with the, with the belt buckle going across. I'm like, all right, we're going to the gig. When I used to have my Chevy Silverado regular cab, I had all the drums up front and all the hardware in the back, but I had no bags. Yeah, good like lord, schlepping hard. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I guess that'll just get us into the start since I don't have that much really going on. I've just been practicing and looking for snare drums that don't exist. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm never going to find the one I want. It just does not seem like it's available or it's going to be available. I'm I'm willing to bet that all the drums that I want were on that cargo ship that blocked the Suez Canal and my drums are being held hostage somewhere because <laughs> of all the damage it caused and I'll never see those drums. But I'll be patient, I'll keep waiting, and we can just talk about your week. Number one, we have, let's see, let me find my photos here of what I got for you that you sent me. Um, Okay, uh, so go ahead and just tell us what you've been getting new gear-wise, and I'll try to follow it up with some some pictures. Um, So everyone knows about the swindle kit that I got. We've already covered that, the 12, 14, 16, 20. Oh, yeah. We showed that on last week's episode. So I've been playing that. That stays set up in my practice room. <clears throat> and then Monday, I finally got a hold of that stop sign badge kit from Mike Malone. Everything and arrived mm-hmm. safe with this master packing job? I'm trying to find the correct word because I almost said inadequate, which is not correct. It's more than adequate. It was overly adequate. I don't know. Uh, So much stuff was packed. Bubble wrap on top of bubble wrap. Like, things inside of things were bubble wrapped. And then the box itself was bubble wrapped inside another bubble wrap. Like, it was just like... That's what you got to do. If you're going to be one of those people that, number one, ships a kit, and then ships a vintage kit, you want to make sure that that thing arrives super safe. I was almost aggravated by how, like, well it was packed. I was like, son (laughs) of a gun. I'm like, I'm sitting there going through, like, all these layers... It was like an onion of just bubble wrap. I was like, well, nothing's broken. Nothing's messed up. No. Like, even the box he put the mufflers and stuff in was bubble wrapped inside. Yeah. And then that was covered. And I was like, oh, sweet. Tape on top of tape, cross layers. I mean, it was like. That's how I pack my stuff as well. Like, I almost, it's almost like if you don't feel like the person opening it is going to get aggravated, then you didn't pack it enough. Yeah. yeah. So keep taping. <laughs> so <There's> tape everywhere. <laughs> So I'm glad, and, it, and everything was great when it came out. Yeah. Uh, only issue I had was just those old springs on those internal mufflers was just a pain in the butt. I had to like constantly compress and squeeze to get just enough clearance for the the muffler to be able 
for the uh, the male rod to go through into the female part, so it goes up and down. But once I got that figured out after two days of fiddling with it and harassing Mike, I was like, Mike, what am I doing wrong? What am I doing wrong? He's like, well, have you tried this? No, all right, hang on. Even asked one of the guys in the shop uh, at work, I was like, how would you compress a spring if you were trying to get it? And then I don't own any C-clamps. And um, Jeff at work was like, well, get one of them rubber squeegee ones right there and you just click her down a little bit and hold her down and then... Because I tried to do it by hand, and I kind of bent one of them. <laughs> that was my... F- so, I mean, it's mostly... It has a slight curve into it. Yeah, yeah. Not quite full banana. Uh, <clears throat> more cucumber-esque. <laughs> but, but, you, it, but it's all put together, and it works. Yeah, and yeah. I turned on my knob. I was like, well, I wonder what happens to the sound. And it's kind of fun, because you have two, two knobs. So I'm like going, gong, 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 gong. Okay, that's too much. And then on the top one, and then both of them on. Like, what does he sound like? Yeah. It's fun. And no, having having that's the coolest thing about uh, some of those models that you get of the the Gretches that just I had I had a round badge that had the bass drum muffler on it and that was the most useful thing ever. Oh, that thing's sweet on mine, that Pratt muffler. Yeah, yeah. I got a little scared because Mike was he told me very specifically. He's like, when you pull the tom out of the bass drum, be very very careful. Yeah, yeah. He's like, remove the packaging slowly. And then he's like, and then pull it to the side. He goes, I got everything in there where nothing's going to bust or tear. He's like, but you got to open it from this side and pull this out first. Yeah. And then you'll be good. He's like, I was, because he said he was scared to like take it off because he didn't want to mess with it. Yeah. Because it's, I, I when I looked at it, there's screws that hold in the bottom set of that felt. That's not to the actual muffler part. And yeah. The other side. I didn't know that. That was kind of cool. And then uh, the hoops are metal. And I gave him a good shake, nothing rattles. I was like, yes. Well, that'll be good um, for <coughs> for next week is take some pictures of those mechanisms. That'd be cool to see. Because um, I actually, I think I have right here, I have the video that Mike Malone sent us of him playing the drum kit before, I think it was for, uh, I forget what the video says. You'll see it. But uh, yeah, so this is the kit Jared just got. From Mr. Mike Malone. We won't be able to see or hear it, but you guys will check it out, and uh, it, the volume should be good. So this is the stop sign, Gretsch. What's the name of the finish? Moonglow Satin Flame. Yeah, that Jared just got from Legacy member Mike Malone. So and I, I think I asked you when right when you got here, you haven't really had even had time to. Uh... No, uh, like I said, I've been six days straight at work. I'm only off today. Yeah. Work next two days, and then I'm off Sunday. Thank God. Uh, I haven't had much time to. I make everything together because then I go to bed at like seven or eight in the morning, and yeah. then I sleep, and then I wake up a little bit early, do some pad work, and then breakfast. Dogs out. Go go to work. So Sunday. There you go. Sunday. Something to look forward to. Oh, so yeah. that is Jarrett's Stop Sign Badge Gretsch Satin Moon Glow Kit. You saw the video there of our very own Mr. Mike Malone playing that thing. And I, it sounded good when I watched the video. 
sounded like uh, just you know exactly like I'd expect out of the out of the Gretsch. So I know once we get it out and you get to play it, it'll be a it'll be a good one. Oh yeah. So what else for this week? And then I was going through Reverb and looking at snare drums. I don't own a super playable snare drum that's aluminum at all. And then I saw this guy had a uh, Adam something is his name on his reverb, but he had a 1970s Gretsch stop sign badge, aluminum snare drum, and really, really good condition. Super clean, like really clean. There's like a couple of small dents by the the throw off from over tightening, which is what yeah, which is yeah. common from that time. And so there's, he said, some guy tried to replace the strainer, but he has the original renowned throw-off that would have gone on it. Yeah. And so you can't see the holes from it. And then there was something else about that drum. I can't remember. That. But he was asking, I want to say the original price was like two ninety nine or three ninety nine or something. And then it came up $150. And I was like, nice. okay. And I'm waiting. And then, no, it came down 25 bucks. Then it was 50 Then it was $150 came off. And I was like, I'm going to offer him 225 because it's 25 for shipping. I'm like, I'll pay 250 and then tax yeah, yeah. Uh, for that snare drum. And then I did it at work. And then my break was only 30 minutes. So I began my break, 225 boom. And then when I was walking back to the uh, the shop for me to put all my stuff up, my phone goes, Ding. so I creep up to the side and I saw, so and so accepted your offer, and I was like, "Yes, that was quick." Yeah. So I'm super excited to have it because it got the diecast tubes. Well, it's got diecast tubes. Everybody loves an aluminum drum, whether it's an Acrylite, whether it's a Sensitone, whether it's what do they do they call the Gretsch any a model anything specific? Uh, that one I believe is a 4105. Okay. Uh, I know the newer ones are called Grand Prix. Yeah. Um, so everybody should have uh, an aluminum snare to go with your you know your setup. And not only did you get that, a super clean one, it's badge matching to the kit you just got. Yeah. So you have like a complete 70s uh, setup now. And I think, it. I think obviously I've never heard it, but I think that's going to sit real well with the kit. And you're going to have a really I'm nice. I'm so excited. <laughs> it's all going to be matchy-matchy. And I got the flat base stands from you. And then I got. Are you going to. I'm going to pull the video back up, but I'm just going to take the volume down so I can. Um, so I can ask you, let me do this. Okay, so in there, are you going to use the Tom setup like like it is? Yeah, I've never really got the chance to really play around with two up, one down. Yeah. And so I'm definitely going to give that a shot and see how it goes with my playing. If not, I'll just take one of the rack Toms down. Yeah. But to me, it's cool to have the two 12s. I'll well, let well, it come back around um, to the beginning of the video because it's up close on the, uh, the Tom mount. The Tom mount, actually... I don't like those older Gretsch. They can be like really flimsy, but it looks like, let me turn the video back on. Um, it looks like, yeah, it looks like that one is nice and secure. Yeah, whenever I pulled it out of the box and like, I was like, I shook it yeah. and like moved it. Those things are tight yeah. and it's got this massive, I have to bring a, a, a wrench with me to yeah. tighten it because the way it comes down, because you have the sense of those clip styles, it goes into the diamond uh, plate or the diamond mount. Yeah, yeah. And it just slips in, and then it comes down. You can only adjust them forwards and backwards, but those bolts holding on are super big, and you, I had them tight, and you couldn't, I couldn't move it. And I was like, well, this is going to be great, because I play 
heavy. Yeah. I was like, well, these will be great. And I'm the goal with this kid is to play with my band. And then if I ever get called to sit in for you, I'm either going to bring that one or the cut down. Yeah. yeah. No, like I said, I think uh, <clears throat> the snare looks really nice, really clean. So I think that's going to go. Um, obviously, it goes well date-wise, but I think that's going to just make a really nice setup. Because uh, it's got, and they all have internal mufflers. Everything's muffled from the inside. And so that was a big thing for me. So the internal muffler on the drum, same era. It's all from the 70s. It's all going to match. It's going to be super neat. I'm so excited and giddy, and I think I'm going to use my, um, my Avidus cymbals that are to recreate the 50s and 60s yeah, and then have that be the full setup for, for yeah. that kid. I think that would sound really cool because it will be kind of as close to being in the 70s as you could probably get and get that cool, big, fat Motown I think it's going to sound really good, man. That that would be, if that ends up working out right, that would be two really good Gretschnaires that you've picked up within the past three months. Yeah. Like two really good players. Because um, that maple one is killer, and if that sounds anything like it's supposed to sound like, you know, that's gonna be like a really nice A and a B for that. Sound. And the thing is, I haven't told Hugh yet, so I think it'd be cool if we don't tell. Oh crap, he's watching now. Well, if, <laughs> if Hugh's not watching, I think it'd be cool. If we, Hugh don't watch this episode. Yeah, you don't watch this, and we just show up to Hugh. So I'm like, hey Hugh, what's up? Boom. <laughs> Check this out. Because <laughs> our our friend Hugh is a. Big Gretsch guy. Yeah, super big. Any any anytime Gretsch is, is mentioned or, or anybody picks up something, that's always very, you know, he he kind of lights up. Obviously, but you both of y'all always been really big Gretsch guys. Yeah, um, you know, can't go wrong with that. Oh no, no. Um, so uh, that wraps your week up. Before we get to the viewer stuff for the week, the uh, the comment section, any. Uh, so we got Dakamomo saying, nice cut, dude. Thank you, Dakota. It feels Ooh. really good. I have to break the habit of shaking my, my hair now since I don't have it. So we got Dakamomo says, nice cut. Charlie Smith, evening all. Good evening, Charlie. From across the way. That's right. We got Mark Whitanen. I don't know why I have I know his name. I don't know why I struggle to say it. Whitanen. He goes, what? Nice do. Looking good. Thank you, sir. Thank you, indeed. As I vaudeville twist my mustache mark goes i'm vacationing in puerto rico a friend has a used drum kit and the symbols are really corroded is that something that happens in the airs with high salt content in the atmosphere yes um we deal with that constantly yeah, yeah and the 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 big thing for us which you guys are lucky being landlocked in the middle of nowhere up in wisconsin and everything if you play an outside gig here even if you take your drums from your car to outside to inside, they will condensate immediately yeah. during the summer. Wintertime, we can kind of get away with it, kind of, not and really. at some point, everyone's chrome here pits. Yeah, and you have to wipe your drums off as soon as you get done with the gig. You get home, you wipe them down, get whatever it's off, and then you're good to go. Otherwise, it's going to be just a, a mess. Yeah, every time I play by the – we played um, on the Bayou – I don't know, two months ago at that Marina Cantina place. Yeah. And that stage just literally right next to the bayou. And after, you know, the heat from the sun and then the sun went down, by the time we finished that gig at like 9 or 10, everything, all of the heads and all of the cymbals had just a thin layer of condensation on it. I was like, dude, 
I'm so not looking forward to these types of gigs for the summer. Like, it's horrible. It's the worst. Unless you're, like, trying to age your cymbals, you're good to go. But yeah. bringing anything nice out to play outside, you're, it's a gamble. It's another hour when you get home because you're going to have to clean everything. You're just going to wipe it down, get as much of it off. Yeah. Even, like I say, even if you just from us going from car to outside to inside again to the gig, it's still enough because you'll see your heads will start to, like, get that weird, uh, like your fog lights. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, if you play clear heads, you'll see them on the inside. And you're like, son of a gun. You just got to wait, <laughs> beat it out, and then hopefully everything mellows out and you get home, do the old bendy grab instead of blowing into your <laughs> trying to suck it out of your drum. It sounds weird. I've tried to do it before. I don't no. know. I just tr- I just tried. Yeah. You never know anything to help me from True. having anything corrode on any of those drums. But yes, Mark, that is what we go through on a constant basis. Now, I've never had like my cymbals corrode. Um, that would take, I would imagine, a, a serious you know, portion of time of neglect and never just not cleaning them. Yeah. I mean, if my stuff gets wet at the gig, I still like wipe my cymbals or whatever. I still wipe them off. I have uh, one of those wool bags, so it kind of dries it off and it's moisture absorbing, which is good. Yeah. Unless you use one of those like super cheap first all nylon bags and it's, I'm sorry, you're, you're going to have to do something. Yeah. So, uh, Mark, that is what we go through on a constant basis. But at least you got a drum kit to play wherever you're at. You know, uh, vacation in Puerto Rico. That's a that's dope. So that'll be fun. Take pictures. We want to see what they got in Puerto Rico. Yeah, and take pictures of the super corroded symbols. Send those in to us, and we'll probably uh, the driest, coolest sounding things we'll probably get to play. If honestly. you like Minel, you'll love these. Oh yeah, <laughs> uh, a tenth of the price. Yeah, probably. really. <laughs> All right. He also continues. I'd like to find some nice chrome shell I can put the uh 1968 ludwig lugs on oh i skipped ahead i'm sorry um okay so answer that one and then he goes i like to find a nice chrome shell i can put the 68 ludwig lugs on from 15 by 12 that i dismantled i'm pretty sure you can find some chrome shells now the year model i'm not super familiar with but I know that Nelson Drum Shop has some orphan chrome over wood shells in their uh, in their odds and ends on their website. Chrome over wood? Yeah. Oh, that's cool. They're chrome over wood. Um, and I, they might have some actual metal shells that are like that, but I know they do have chrome over wood. And they're concert, Tom, so you're, you're covered because only one side will have the holes. So yeah. huh. check it out, Mark. Uh, be a little pricey because it is a, a boutique drum shop with vintage gear. That's all they do is vintage. Yeah. And I think Wood and Weather, I checked their website yesterday too. They might have some stuff as well. So check those two, Wood and Weather and Nelson Drum Shop. And it's going to be in their singles and odds and ends where those are uh, those pieces are going to be for you to check out. Nice. Very nice. Then we got Joshua Breslow. Hello, guys. Hello, Josh. What's up, my man? A pleasure to have you guys in the chat. And that's it for comments right now. Awesome, awesome. Well, like I said, we've got a bunch going on for you this week. I just been practicing my little booty off. Um did change the uh uh the hardware out on that maple snare, but all my pictures wouldn't load up cuz they were iPhone pictures, so I'll just wait till next, next week. week. And of course, we are now in the 3000th day of the snare hunt and still no <laughs> Still no luck, um, but again, going to be patient. I'm happy. 
we're just just putting a brand new head on an old snare, bringing it back to life can sometimes be like, oh well, maybe I don't, maybe I don't need anything. Yeah, <laughs> and it sounds good, so I'm actually play that uh, this weekend. So that being said, we will now move on to all the stuff that all of you sent us this week in the viewer submission section. We got quite a bit. Oh, I forgot to ask them the question. Oh, what is the? Oh, that's right. Okay. Before we go to that, I'm sorry. For the Moon Glow kit, I wanted to ask you guys out there. I'm going to get some new heads for it. I've always been a big Remo guy, but I don't mind changing things around. So if you were to put heads on that 1970s kit, what would you put? I'm thinking about doing uh, Aquarian Modern Vintage heads on it because the bass drum, I think, is a little oversized from what I looked up. thought about doing uh, the calf tones, but... Down in the comments in the in the section, just uh, tell me what you would put on that kit, top and bottom. Let me know. And also for the snare drum as well. I'm going to get new heads for that. And actually, I'll play the video again so they can kind of get an idea of what it sounds like naturally, you know, the, before you got it. So here's uh, the kit that he got from Mike Malone again. So give it a listen and then let us know in the chat what you think might work well to suit this particular drum set. So here it comes, and I'll try to turn it back up slow. There is Jarrett's kit. So, like I said in the in the chat, there, let us know what you think might suit the kit well. Um, I've I've always with uh, any kind of you know at least slightly vintage Gretsch, always had a good uh, result with ambassadors. But if you're going to be playing it with multiple styles, um, I think something fat would go well. But um, if it was me, I'd probably just throw coded am uh, not ambassadors, coded emperors on it. Um, but I know you like the jazzier tuning, or at least leaning toward the jazzier side of the tone more. So, and with this, I kind of want to go a different route. Uh -huh. uh, I know since it's got die cast, it'll be a little more focused, and then since it's the maple gum, it'll be more round and open. But I want to try something different because uh, I normally play like the medium to high tuning. But I'm trying to get on my comfort zone a little bit with what I normally play. I think this kit would lend really well to having like kind of that old school '70s Motown kind of yeah, feel. Yeah. Um, so I wouldn't mind it being, you know, more fat, and then definitely having the option like if I get called to sit in for you, I can bring that kit. Or when my band plays our, you know, rock stuff, I can pull that out because it would probably look awesome on stage under lights. Well, so. I, <clears throat> me shouting in from the chat, I'm yelling emperors. Has anybody else got any uh, suggestions for head combos for you? Charlie said I'd go with Vintage Ambassadors or Evans UV1s with a coated single-ply Rezo. You'll get tons of tone and resonance from those things. Dakota says a bass player would suit that kit well. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Mark goes, I really like the Aquarian White Dot Classic Clear Heads. Wonderful sound. Email in the bass room, of course. The only thing, Mark, with running Aquarian heads, the the modern ones, is that the 
flesh hoop they use are super thick and they do not do well with anything pre 1990s. Yeah, they, th- those are harder to deal with. They're they're harder to deal with just at home when I stack drum heads up. Everything fits perfectly, and if you throw an aquarium in there, that that collar is so big, all of a sudden nothing sits right. So yeah, that that can be an issue with uh, any of the aquarium stuff. What about? Uh, I thought they don't they make a vintage specific line. Yeah, yeah, it's the modern vintage. The modern vintage. And it, the cool thing is, it comes in uh, thin, medium, and thick. Yeah, or heavy, or they call it. So you get to pick which ones you want to use, and they're all that kind of old school coating replicant. That's what's on that uh, that nineteen forties. Uh, single ply I got from Hugh, the big one. The yeah, ones yeah, they yeah. get rid of, the one that, that one. Yeah. And I, I, it sounds great on that, so I thought about putting that across the whole kit and also on that snare drum. But there's just so many things to choose from. I wanted to get some other people's opinions. True. Are they giving you anything else over there? Uh, Charlie says, for more fatness, UBTs or even uh, CS black dots would be a really cool option. I did think about doing controlled sound uh, black dots on that kit. Let me kind of neat. Kind of have that uh, Tony Williams vibe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, he he said it, and that's a good point. Um, and I just don't think about it that much. Is UV two? Because um, I love UV ones. They sound good and they last forever. And I've just never had a chance to use a UV. I haven't ordered anything uh, recent enough to have to get any UV twos. But that would be something cool to check out. Because I remember the couple of videos that I did see where they were demoing them. They sounded good. And obviously, it's just it's an emperor. Yeah. You know, except with I, I, what I would say would be uh, a longer lasting coating. And with the 360, I shouldn't have any issues with No, that, with anything. With that. If y'all don't know that, just, just a little hint or t- helpful tip. Uh, you, you, uh, UV1. Uh, 360 will fit on anything. And then other than that, you got to get like what's Remo's called, the uh, vintage series. The classic. So classic. Don't, be, don't be confused. It's the classic fit. Classic fit is for the oversized drums. The vintage ones, it's the old head formula they used to use. Yeah, yeah okay. Yeah. Um, so you want to get the classic fit in the Remo or the modern vintage for in the, uh, about to say Vader, in the Aquarium. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's the cool thing about with 360. It'll fit on anything. I've never had, uh, I've got, UV one on something from the thirties and I've put UV ones on the stuff from the sixties and then obviously all my modern stuff. So, uh, anything that's got three sixty, you should have no problem with, but you know, uh, I think, well, I don't know the, the, what'd you say? Was it the black dots or the uh, center dots? Yeah. That would probably be cool too. Cause that would be like a, even though his was single headed, um, that would be a very Phil Collins yeah. type sound, um, which can't go wrong with that. No, um, I've been watching. I don't know what led it to me. Oh, they wanted to learn Susudio. I think we might have talked about this yeah. last week. Um, so I went and looked up a drum cover, a really good drum cover uh, of the guy with some really cool licks doing the song. And then because I put it in the search for YouTube, YouTube starts feeding me all this Phil Collins stuff. Yeah. And it fed me this documentary about Phil Collins. And... They talked to everybody. They talked to Phil. They talked to the guys from Genesis. They talked to his dr- his drummer Chester Thompson, and uh, show all the you know like when he does the in the air tonight Phil yeah. and it's that big Gretsch single headed kit and it kept referencing this farewell felt I can't speak today farewell tour and I think the last concert was in Paris so I went and watched that 
that if you want something cool to check out drum slash music wise, go watch uh, the Phil Collins farewell tour, the Paris concert. It is killer. Um, all the songs that you would expect to hear. And then like several times where him and Chester do the drum thing. And it's really good. And I, they also have the, cause it's like Phil's kid on one side and the Chester's over here. And in the middle they have uh, the percussionist and it's like, a famous one, like not Horatio El Negro or, but out of like the five names you can think of, I remember that guy's face. And it's one of like the really famous uh, Latin percussion guys and they kill it. They go back and forth. They trade licks back and forth. They do the big kind of drum circle kind of sounding African stuff. Really cool. Really cool. And then of course he's singing the rest of the time. Yeah. Doing all the other stuff. Um, But yeah, I think if you went that route, you would have, a similar sounding, uh, which is a cool sound to go for, is the Phil Collins. Again. That'll be fun. I'll definitely consider that for sure. Yeah. Um, anybody else give you anything else uh, tip-wise before we move on? Let's see. And then Mark says, on the heads, I didn't know. Good info. Charlie says, I got some UV2s on review, and they're still immaculate over a year down the line on my 70s Tamba Imperial Star. Even stuck a UV one on the twenty uh, base drum of the kit, wide open and thumpy. And then Charlie says, "Luis Conte on percussion for yeah. the tour." This man is just yep. But yeah, you're right. I think um, on my Sensitone aluminum, I put that UV one on in the beginning, and then I had it for however long, and then it went to Cedric, and then it went back from Cedric to me. I think that snare drum head was on there for more than a year and a half before we changed it. <laughs> And if I'm, I could be wrong. That may be still even longer. I think it is. The that same may be one. the same UV one. I think it I is. Because I changed everything. I changed the Maple Kits uh, head. It got a brand new UV one. I just put that Power Center reverse dot on the brass free floater, and I looked at it the other when I pulled them all out. I looked at that sense of tone, and I was like, "Ah, it's fine." I mean, the coating's worn off in the center, but it doesn't look like the center of the head's going to give way anytime soon. Yeah. So it may be more than a year and a half. With that UV one, it those are the. I mean, I've will admit lately you've got me playing some Remos, and I do love the way uh, a coated Emperor sounds on just about anything. Yeah, and I, I always love the way a coated Ambassador sounds on any snare. I just typically I've found that I don't need to try to experiment with other snare heads. I just like coated single ply. Yeah, you know you can't go wrong. And even though I've been using some of the Remo stuff here lately. I have to admit, putting a UV one on a snare buys you a long time, and they sound good. They, you know, they don't deaden out and start sounding like crap down the line. They hold up really well, and that's a really good investment for whatever you're going to sixteen ninety nine or yeah. whatever a UV one fourteen is. So, if you haven't checked out any of the UV one stuff from Evans, do it. Those are really good heads, and they will. You'll get your probably more than your money's worth out of it because they will last you forever. So thank you for mentioning that, Charlie. Um, but now that we've gotten that out of the way, unless somebody else is chiming in there, we will go ahead and get to um, the viewer stuff. For the While week. you're getting that ready, I'm going to get the last few comments. Mike Malone says, hey, dudes, checking in late. Nice haircut, Jared. Just got one myself today as well. Look at us getting haircuts today. Fresh cuts for the boys. He also says, Jarrett, did you like that Menards box I sent you in the floor, Tom? I did, and I took a picture immediately and sent it to Steven. Dude, I totally forgot. I meant to pull that picture 
and I was going to try to uh, find like the Menards jingle because it's probably somewhere like on YouTube. <laughs> yeah. Somebody's probably put it up somewhere. If any of you out there or Mike, if you're not doing anything, go find me the Menards jingle and like email it to me. and I will play that <laughs> live on air because that was when as soon as you sent me that picture, I cracked up laughing by myself here at home, like audibly out loud. I laughed so hard when I he got took, so when he I took the, the time. Yeah, I got so when I saw the box and I was like, it makes perfect sense. Yeah, like, no, the props to you, Mike, for taking the time to find a Menards box that fit that bass drum or that floor tom right. And he goes, I went there to get it just to send it to you in that box. I'm not getting rid of that box. That thing's awesome. And if you do, you at least cut the section of the box where the um, logo logo's at. Yeah, and I'll put that on the wall like, boom. There you go. Got a piece <laughs> of Wisconsin with me at all times. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so um, now to our viewer submissions for the week. And the first one we have up is from our good buddy, Neil Holloman. And Neil has been setting up his studio at home to get his YouTube channel up and running again and, you know, full force. And he had uh, we had seen a couple pictures of just how he had gotten the colored lights, you know, all set up. And I think I actually have this one. So like these are a lot. This is uh, Neil's studio at home. So here we have like just with the accent lighting on, or the practicals. Um, and then if we step it up a notch, this is him with some of the background lighting on, changing the colors up a little bit. I, off the bat, it looks really good. It's kind of how I want, maybe not uh, as lighting focused, but that's kind of how I want our setup to look once I clean everything up. And then I think this one is. Nope. Where is... I thought I had one. I swear I had one with all of the lighting on. And I might have doubled up on... I did. I doubled up on these pictures. Um, so I'll have to go back and find... Um, find the one that he's got. He's got it like with the f lights fully on. So, but anyway, that is Neil's setup, which I know we've already showed these pictures before. But it's still looking really good. Um, I think... Uh, oh, here it is. Okay, I found the... Uh, I found the photo with everything turned on. So here is Neil's with all of the stuff turned on. So that would be like ready-to-video shoot. The accent lighting is on. He's got his top lights that he very coolly mounted straight to the ceiling so he doesn't have to fuss with anything ever. So I think that's going to turn out really good for Neil's setup and getting his channel, you know, going again. That's a sharp looking uh, studio there. Oh, yeah. And get so much floor space freed up, too, with all of them being mounted up top. Yeah. Yeah. And it looks clean because that's the I mean, if y'all could see how it is here, you know, obviously you only see the front, but it's always a mess in the back because you got the lights, you got the monitor, the camera, all that kind of stuff. And it's even worse in the other room when I shoot the bearded drums, regular videos that it's it just stands everywhere so to have a nice setup like this that's like that's really clean you can move the camera around very easily and i'm imagine if if i know neil like he, like i do he's got probably one switch to come in that room and turn all that stuff on which uh like i said props to neil uh the studio is looking really good and hopefully we'll see stuff coming out of your uh channel here really soon oh yeah i'm excited um so <clears throat> that is from our good buddy neil holloman now we move on to Mr. Mark Whitman, who sent us in a kit <clears throat> that he got in. I think he wants to know, uh, if I remember what the email said, it was whether we thought it was 
good enough to save. Um, I can't be very partial because, as you'll see here, uh, we've got some pretty rough damage on the inside of these shells. But that's what it is. It's a Ludwig Blue Sparkle, which is exactly the same color of Ludwig, vintage Ludwig that I own. So I'm like, my heart screams out, save it. Yeah. But then you go look at, nope, this picture. And at least whatever that is, if that is the floor tom, or I don't know if that's the tom. Yeah, it's a 12 by 15. 12 by 15. Yeah. I don't know if that looks savable. Jared, what do you think? I've seen guys on that restoration Facebook bring stuff back from the grave, but the amount of work they put into it is insane. Yeah. Like, you're going to have to go through and... You got you can't do what me and Stephen did and get by without using one. You're gonna have to get a syringe, go through and get every part of that thing plugged. You're gonna need about sixteen hundred uh, of those squeegee. I call them squeegee clamps, the ones you squeeze to tighten yeah, yeah, up. Yeah. You're gonna have to get about sixteen hundred of those on every part of it. And I couldn't tell in one of those photos if it was the re rings that you had that was pulled out or something on one of those other photos. But I know for re-ring, that's a whole nother process you have well, to I'm do. I'm sure somebody watching like Charlie or, you know, Josh, one of them can look that serial number up probably very quickly and tell us what year, because uh, obviously it's a Keystone badge, so it's 50s or 60s. Um, but like I said, my heart screams out, save it, because this is my kit. Same color. Mine's Keystone as well. Um, I've got some more. Okay, so there are the... So I'm assuming those are the reinforcement rings. I can't tell, but I'm assuming that's what those are. Yeah. And I know I've seen guys put those back in, and those are a pain in the butt. I would imagine butt. it's a pain in the butt to do that. But uh, the outside is, like, really clean. Yeah. And you were saying that that is a pretty sought-after um, size. But that, that looks pretty rough. If you give up on it, I bet it would make a great end table and or Oh, lamp. yes. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, because look at the outside. Let me find the other outside shot. Yeah, I think that's probably the best best shot just looking at how bad it looks on the inside. Is That would probably make a, a super dope lamp or end table, probably some kind of piece, piece of furniture. Because um, I hate to not – I hate to say that you can't restore it because – Bringing back a Ludwig or a Gretsch or a Slingerland is always worth it, but when you go back to that... Uh, <laughs> and then he's got to deal with the scarf joint, too, if he's got to go back through and redo it. Yeah, um, but it looks pretty bad, so I would say, you know, it's probably not salvageable, but then, again, looking at the outside would make a heck of a piece of furniture or a nice little end table, for sure. Well, BB Photo said that thing is toast, not worth the trouble, and he goes black mold too, no bueno. So I'm I didn't quite, even think about that. Yeah. So that's yeah, it's probably right. You could just um, pull those inner parts out. Let me go back to that. Still. And then Charlie said that uh, it dates to 1968. Okay. Um, so it's literally about the same year as my uh, club dates, but yeah, you could probably pull those. That, that inner ply that's come loose just off. And then, like I said, would probably make a really cool piece of furniture. That's what I would Yeah, if it was do. me, I would, uh, the two things I would do, I would go through and take all those lugs off and the parts, and I would sell them. 
and you could probably honestly get money if you take the badge off correctly. Some guys will buy badges to put oh, on. Oh yeah, it, for like thirty to forty dollars, depending yeah. upon the date and how bad they need it. I've seen them go higher than that. Yeah, so you could definitely. There's definitely money in the hardware alone. If you decided to scrap the whole thing, and then I would go through and scrub it down, uh, kilts the inside, and then do some reinforcing, and then make a little end table out of it. I think that'd be. Yeah, because I love it. I love to see when people do stuff like that. Yeah. Like, that's always super cool. If you can't save something, you know, you can make a trash can. You can make a table. You could make, you know, I've seen some really cool stuff. Um, what The one I saw recently was the guy took a floor tom and then cut out a nice piece of wood uh, to go where the head would and put holes in it to make a really cool-looking wine rack that was basically Oh, sweet. Yeah, so, like, you can do, you know, just about anything with a drum that can't be saved, so... May, and I know, Mark, you're really good at the whole uh, restoration thing, so I would imagine that's probably not too much of a, a test for Mark to be able to bring that back and make like a cool, you know, whatever piece of furniture out of it. So that would probably be what I would suggest. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and definitely try to rip that inner ply off that's got the mold on it because we definitely don't want you getting sick no. having that in your house. Um, so, again, thank you, Mark, as usual, for sending... Uh, something cool to look, you know, just about every week we've got something cool from Mark. And I keep thinking at some point, I'm like, you know, one of these weeks, Josh is just going to run out. There's not going to be anything. Yeah. He's, he can't mess with that many drums. Right. And then every week it's like usually Wednesday uh, or earlier, I'll get an email from him. Hey man, check this out. And it's cooler. Like every time, like it never kind of dips. It's always like, Oh, that's cool. Oh, man, that's even cooler. Oh, and look at the finish on that. Oh, and you did the the inside wrap of the shell. And it, you know, and then I, just, of course, like like normal this week, I was like, ah, he's not going to, you know, I can't expect him to send in something every week. And here is Josh's entry for the week. Uh, you read the email. Um, yeah. We've got a, uh, a bass drum here that a customer requested that he, um, you know, redo. It is a 12 by 26 Ludwig marching bass drum. And then based upon the lugs, I want to say it is from the late 60s. I don't remember seeing a badge in the email. Uh, when I, I don't a, either. But I'll, so we'll go through the uh, photos. I'm going to go, I'm going to say late 60s, uh, probably 70s. I'm not the most well-versed with the... No, there's the badge. It's a keystone. Yep. All right, cool. Good eye, Stephen, because my right. eyes are awful. So I'll go back to the uh, I'll go back to the beginning here. So this is La Bass Drum when he received it to do his magic on. Um, not terrible. Um, no. What was the size again? Uh, Twelve by twenty six. Yeah. That would be considered, if in like marching terms, is that a Scotch. Uh, it is a Scotch style bass drum. Yes, and now that would be bass number four or five. Yeah. So we got a cool looking, and I love Scotch bass drums. Uh, that's something I want to get a hold of later on just to kind of play around with. Uh, maybe not as big as a 26, but this is a, a, a cool example of one. So that's with the finish on it, like just as he receives it. And then we've got him removing all of the finish off of it. And nice piece of, I mean, everything looks good on the, uh, on the shell. And then let's move up. So there is your final finish, basically just like a, just natural. Yeah, a rough natural. I mean, I don't want to say rough, but a, uh, a unfinished natural. 
Um, and, it, and it's like I said, it's a nice piece of wood, so it comes out looking real well. And then there is the head, which I think looks really cool. Yeah, one of his uh, fellow artists and art teachers is the one that uh, painted that hand on that drumhead form. And it's fun. It's not. No, I don't want to say it's funny, but that all of a sudden the painted bass drum thing is like back in style. So happy. with a vengeance. So glad. I'm. We're finally like turning back the clock and going back to the old days. Oh, yeah. Like, calf heads are are cool again. Painted drum heads are cool again. Single tension snare drums are, are, cool. are cool again. Like, yeah, and there's, there's one guy I keep seeing on Instagram. You've probably seen him. Uh, it's just a shot of the drums, and he's got, like, a scotch bass drum, and he's got a single tension snare, and he puts a ton of crap on it. Like, oh, Adam something or another? I, don't, I can't remember who it is, but it's a cool little setup. Because it's very clearly like a 10 or 12, probably sh- more shallow than, it's like a 10-inch little bass drum and like a, probably a 14 by 4, 14 by 5 single tension. And uh, not so much for all the stuff that he puts on the cymbals and the drums, but the kick and the snare sound really good. So it's funny to see like things you would never expect to kind of come back around, um, which will lead us into our topic for the day. Um, so I don't want to get too far into that, but uh, I have noticed that, and uh, this is kind of you know kind of fits in. Where's my? This kind of fits in with that motif. It's number one, uh, a bass drum size we probably typically wouldn't use, and then like I said, now the bass drum painting thing. There's at least now that I've seen this, that's three people I know that have brought back the bass drum painting game, the other two being the ones that are on Instagram that everybody sees. So yeah, it, it, it is cool to see that that's coming back. Something, to be honest with you, I never thought we would see. Uh, that would not be the trend I would have guessed. It was like, well, what do you think is going to make a comeback? And it's like, well, painted bass drum heads, I say. Like, that is not what I would have Yeah, you need, the, you need the radio crackling. I thought the radio. Exactly. Welcome to the Saturday Night Juke Hangout. Like, I just, it's... It's not what I would have thought. Um, so there is the you know the wide shot, super cool looking logo, and like I said, the bass drum turned out looking really nice. Probably wasn't like back breaking work on this one. Mainly just get the finish off and make sure that things cleaned up and ready to go. Yeah, but I love that green and yeah. Uh, let me find that the first one. I love the green and I just love super weathered drums. I just think it's it's what one of my favorite cars I've ever seen. This is a slide tip it off um on one of those american restoration shows and this guy bought a 1950s uh chevy and the guy liked the patina on the body so much that all he did was take it to the shop and then he just had him clear coat and seal the patina yeah, in. Yeah. and he gutted the insides and made it all like modern but the outside he kept it the way it was because he said it just patinaed so well and looked so cool being yeah beat sometimes up and, it comes out and perfect blued. and you don't want to mess yeah. with it um, and I did the same thing with the 1930s, uh, the Ludwig Pioneer. I went back and forth and even asked the guys online, you know, do you think I should remove that? And one of the guys was like, look, dude, it took almost 100 years to get that patina on there. Why would you remove it? Yeah. And I was like, good point. I'll leave it be. Um, so, like I said, um, I'm with you. But I do, I like natural finish drums. It's one of my favorite finishes. So, to see it come out real nice in that natural finish uh, you know, is 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 definitely a cool thing. Like I said, that'll be a cool little kick for you know whatever the customer is going to use that for. 
So every, like I said, every week I just don't expect Josh to have anything else for us, and every week he's got something to uh, to bring to the game. Josh Breslow, the bespoke drummer, who I think that's some of the cooler stuff I've seen lately is some of the stuff Josh is doing because you see the stuff they do a lot of times with drum customization is like real predictable. Yeah. Um. So to see that the kind of route that he takes, I think it's really cool. So the next thing I'm ex- I'm wanting to see being brought back is full dress kits. <laughs> I'm waiting for it, man. Craviato is the only one that does it right now. I'm waiting do to they? see. Yeah. You can do it upon request and they'll do and they'll, but they inlay their full dress. It's not just sparkle over top. They Explain actually, in case anybody doesn't know about what full dress is. So full dress is when uh it was an option brought I know Premier for sure did it and I believe it was another company so when i need charlie to help chime in for me but i know for a fact premiere did and what it was is that it's big diamonds that go in the center across the drums so if you like an orange sparkle kit you could ask for it to be it was called half dress and you get it a red diamond on the inside and then full dress they put another diamond of the sparkle finish inside of it so Sticky Wicked has a full dress premiere kit, and it's gold sparkle with a green diamond with a red diamond inside of it, and that's his kit. And they look super sweet. It's super classy. Yeah, every time I've seen one, they're very eye catching. Like you know, you and every of course every time sub- subsequently when I've seen a full dress drum anywhere, it's very expensive. Like, yeah, the coolest one I've seen uh, in recent times is one that um, I'm blanking. Uh, something Dressel, uh, aka uh, Fat Stanton Moore. Oh yeah, and he had and he has that super cool matte black, but then the outside of the diamonds gloss black, and then the inside's green sparkle. Yeah, and that looks so sick. Yeah, that's that 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 is uh, it's like the classiest, possibly the only thing classier than White Marine Pearl itself. Yeah, the, it's, the it's tuxedo a, of drum finish. Yeah, it's a full dress kid. <laughs> yeah. That's on. I, I want a snare drum in full dress. I think it'd be sweet. Hell yeah! I I I totally. I, I know I've seen a bunch of vintage ones on eBay, but I almost want to say that didn't A and F do at some point a full dress? Like it, I, I don't think it was in bright colors. I think it was that subdued. Yeah, rustic. but I think they did. Um, so. Yeah, that's that. That would be a finish to definitely chase after. But we'll we'll get into that for yeah. the uh, for the main topic. So, again, thank you to Josh and Mark for sending their stuff in this week. Thank you, Jared, for sharing your stuff with us this week. That wraps us up for what we've got going on this week and for the viewer submissions. Uh, before we get into the main uh, section, do we have any cleaning up in the comment section? Mike Malone said. Vintage drum trends that I never want to see come back into style. Don't say it yet. We'll get wait till we get to the wait till we get to the main discussion. All right, I will. Don't waste it. Save it. I'll I'll save Mike's comment. He says. Then Charlie Smith says Carlton uh, was another drum company doing the full dress. The drum book by Geoff Nichols or Goff Nichols is a must read when it comes to those kits. I'll have to check that out. I don't know what book I have. I have several books over there. I don't can't remember which ones I have. I bet Hugh probably has his book. Yeah, um, yeah, th- and there's that. There's like five out there that you had to have to own. 
you got to have the big symbol book. you got to have that vintage snare drum book. Yep. And then probably the one that he's talking about right now. Because he says, I'd love to see a proper revival of the old bloody top hat and cane rap tune. It's been done here and there on anniversaries, but I'd love to see it in the catalog. There's a lot of stuff that Ludwig has. They just do one-offs on. I yeah. guess it's just for them just to be able to keep the collectors and buyers market up yeah, high. Yeah. Keep but like the, the interest top, going. But the top hat and cane, I think that's sweet. And I wish that they would actually bring back the uh, the travelers. Oh, what's it called? Uh, the salesman. Oh, where the drum had every finish on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That uh, I, I was like with all the sparkle, but that would be so the dope. display model. That's, yeah, that's cool. I always liked Mardi Gras. I was one of my favorite weird finishes. Um, just the the bigger flakes. Yeah, against like mostly black. I always thought that was really cool. Um, and obviously, like you said, the top hat and cane. That's a that's a tough one to find. But yeah, I remember seeing the salesman model. Yeah, or the display model, and I was like, dude, that would be dope. There's a, there's a uh, this dude in, I want to say he's in Japan who has a full kit of that. He hunted down, took him years, nice. but he has the bass drum. I'm gonna say it's 22, 13, 16. That's what he plays, and it's and it's and it's all the same, and it matches. That's cool. So it's all like like blue, orange. There you silver, go. That's red. It. if uh, if you ever have the money, or if you get picked up by a drum company, like okay. You get your signature drum. What do you want? Like, I want you to make me your version of the salesman drum for whatever yeah. brand it is. Yeah, that would be super dope. Get it in like get in all the pearls they offer. That'd be kind of neat. Instead of getting the sparkles, we're on to something, Stephen. Hey man, I'm with you. Patio beards. Salesman. There you go. Patio beards. Salesman pads. <laughs> and then. Charlie Smith also says, sorry, my eyes are terrible today. In fact, they did a full dress design as a limited edition a year or two back. 100 or so kits were done, I think. See, I don't want 100 kits. I want it to be in the catalog. I yeah, want you to be able yeah, to go yeah. to Guitar Center and be like, what do you want today? I would like this. Boom. And you just grab it and you're good to go. But I guess it keeps part of the allure yeah. as for the collecting side of Makes you want it. Because I don't, I mean, it, I don't want to sound negative when I say this, but we do have kind of a when it comes to playing drums kind of a weird market like we have the guys that play hardcore only oh yeah and then you have the hobbyists just do it for fun and then you have the collectors who don't even really play well some of them don't really play and they just have them because it's cool yeah yeah you know and i guess they that's probably their way of cornering yeah. that part of the market because I know that people yeah the pay. collectors market alone. Yeah. So now I don't and I don't blame them because that's how they you know they got you know we think of them as making all these tons of money and it's really not like that yeah um, especially with like you know like ones that you think are huge companies are really not that big yeah like you're and, talking about Pearl being yeah. like twelve dudes no that was um that was uh. It wasn't Pearl. I can't remember who we were talking about. It's either like Vader or Vic Firth. It's like that people actually in the office is like 12 people. I think it was, think it was uh, yeah, Sticks. I'm sorry, yeah. Um, you know, obviously, you know, you've got the guys that work in the factory, even though a lot of that is automated. But yeah, um, we think of these companies as being, oh, you can afford to throw kits out, right? You know, that's why, you know, doesn't every artist get a free kit? It's like, no, none of them do, really. Like, you have to be super big to get the free stuff, so... Their margins aren't that great. We think they are. Yeah. You know, and because I always gripe about, well, why don't there more of this and why aren't there more of that? 
because they have to make all the other stuff and they can't make the stupid snare drum I want all the time. Yeah. Or, you know, whatever. And then it's got to get here and then they got to get it to all the stores. So it's, I, I think we forget how aggravating and complex it really is. And especially um, with the price of wood. Oh, yeah. Constantly. I think it's supposed to be up by 300% in the next four years. If I read that article correctly, I remember all that information, right? I was like, five years ago, I should have bought a bunch of plywood. Yeah. And two by fours and two by sixes. Ebony before it became illegal. And Babinga before. Babinga, you know, that, yeah, you would be, uh, you'd be sitting pretty at this point. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, um, back to what he was saying in the, uh, in the comments. That's it. We're all we're oh, all wrapped cool. up. Besides that one little bit, no, uh, you okay. don't want me to. So, well, we'll we'll start off with that. So, talking, we kind of touched on it a minute ago. Naturally, might I add in conversation, uh, you know, I guess themes or trends that we would, you know, either are seeing or would like to see. But I guess that's even a better place to start is with Mike Malone's comment. What are some things that you would never want to see return as far as a trend in drumming? And what was Mike's comment? Uh, he said he wants to never see come back in a style as kick spurs and tom mounts. Tom mounts? What do you mean? I love the rail consulates. I love, I love banana rails. I love banana rails. I think they're amazing I when you don't have one that's put together cheaply. Okay, so ones I don't like, I don't like. I do and I don't. I'm okay right now on Steven's uh, dad's <laughs> kit. I like everything about it except that it has that dumb nipple for uh, the gears that go across for the L arm to come across. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. it's either – you cannot get it flat. It's either cocked out or it's cocked in. And it's, and you can go through and say, well, all you have to do is just move it across the rail. I'm like, yes, you can do that, but – then you gotta That's go. what I have to do. Yeah, because you gotta move it down or move it up and get it just right, and then you gotta do another thing, and then you gotta angle it sixteen different ways. I like it because it lays flat, and you never have to take it out of the drum. But that's just that one thing, and it, and I'm making something that's a big deal. It's not because once you get it, you just get that one part done, and you just forget about it. You put a memory lock on it. But I have to admit, when you get really playing on that thing, it does move. It, even though that's a very secure one. Yeah. It's in good condition. It moves a lot. And I said it before, I don't like the old diamond plate Gretsch ones where the little sliver of metal yeah. just kind of goes into the mount. I hate that. That's even worse to me. Um, I've never messed with any vintage Premiere or anything like that, so I don't know what their mount was like. Um, and the one round, uh, round badge I ever had, which was 22, 13, 16, the guy had found, so that was a sixties, um, Gretsch. He went and found the seventies, whatever mount, LR yeah. mount, took the, the 60 stuff off there and put that. Now, granted, obviously that took the collectible value down, but it didn't move. Yeah. It stayed in place, and then it made the drum, you know, that drum kit was completely enjoyable. Had it had the original hardware on there, you know, not so much. Now, I can go with old uh, Ludwig hardware. That's that's good. Bro, uh, vintage Rogers hardware was even better. They were way ahead of their time. But. God, that's some of my favorite hardware to have is, is, um, is Rogers. I like how on those Ludwig stands I got from you, the 
95% of those stands is Ludwig, and the top 5% is when Hugh said, this is annoying, and put the Swivomatic style yeah, those are up great. top. Those work so well. I love it. They were way ahead of their time, and the the Tom mounts were equally as solid. Um, the one, the, that, that blue sparkle kit, dude, that thing was gig-ready and road-worthy, and that was, you know, 80 years old or whatever. Yeah. Those kits, now, I, so I can do that, I can do... I'm when I start comparing to like modern hardware, um, I know you hate it, at least on that kit. Um, but I have to. I prefer a tom mount. I don't. I'm one of those people. I don't want to put a tom in a snare basket. I hate that. I absolutely hate that. And the one time I did possibly think about picking up a, a modern, like a brand new Ludwig kit. Every kit that I looked at on their website, nothing had a bass drum mount on it. Everything was sitting in a tom basket. And I was like, no, I'm not going to do that. So I kind of half agree with Mike because some of the old stuff is terrible. Yeah. At the same time, I want a tom mount. Like, I've, I used to not like it, but I've, I've, I do like them now. But I've, like I said, I prefer like the most minimal one possible. I like, I like the banana rail style. Or you can get away with like n- not the super bulky one for your center post, because like some of those mounts are like ten pounds, and they're just heavy for the sake that of being Atlas, heavy. That Atlas top mount has to weigh like fifteen pounds. Yeah, for sure. And it's um, it's and and it's so big and bulky, and then like it makes me sad like looking at that, and then you see the guy at Indy, he has the exact same style, but it's way lighter and it's not as big and bulky and yeah. you can pop it in and out and it's like and it fits a whole bunch of other stuff and like but why does ludwig have to make it an extra 16 inches deep and you gotta get you have to size up your bag to fit all that stuff yeah really which is dumb it's like oh what size is your bass drum oh it's a 20 what size is your bass drum bag it's a 24 yeah because i have another six inches of crap i gotta have logged on my drum which makes it even heavier to get to and fro yeah and i tell you a, a brand that i don't give much credit to often even though they are good drums, Mapex has a great bass drum mount. Like how it just kind of leaps yeah. out and goes underneath the lugs and it touches at four points. Like that's a really good, like you're talking about, minimal. I don't care. I actually like a big piece of heavy metal drilled into the drum. Like that's kind of like that connected kind of tone you get where it's like drums that are heavy and that have like good strong hardware and they're all mounted to each other. They kind of resonate with a force, I guess is a weird way to describe it. I like that sound. I know you're more on like the the free tone side of things where you want to hear the max resonance as possible. I kind of like that almost clamp down attacky kind of thing. Um, So, like I said, I can kind of half agree with Mike because some of that old stuff sucks, but I will be damned. If I ever take a, a tom and have to put it in a snare basket, that's just I just can't do it. And then the kick spur part, uh, yeah, well, I'm, totally I, on that. I'm I'm so conflicted because like I do like when you have the spurs that collapse into the bass drum because like to me it's like ooh, all you got to do is just boom 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 and it goes inside and you're good to go and you don't have to like loosen this and then get it to lock in the teeth. And then it's like, all if right. It'll stay in place, though. Yeah. If the old ones will stay in place. It's fine. But I've had problems even with the Ludwig of it kind of creeping. 
Um, the coolest ones I ever saw was that five kit that I got off of Hugh, the Seafoam Pearl. Like Pat has the snare drum. Yeah. And there was like a 26 inch. It was the weirdest setup. And I, I know why he did it now, but thinking about the sizes as I'm about to call them out, they sound really weird. But he basically wanted a like a real Dixieland kit and like a really small jazz kit. Yeah. So it was a 18 inch bass drum, a 26 inch bass drum, a 10 inch tom, but a cut 10 inch tom. So it was like 10 by 5 or 4. Yeah. And then a 14 by 12. So 18, 10, 14. Or you can take those toms off and put them on the huge bass drum. So yeah. 26, 10, 14. And he had two snare drums. But on that little 18-inch bass drum, the Fibes spurs, they had two little, like, clamps that were screwed to the bottom of the drum. That Like, when you took the spurs off, they just snapped into the bottom of the bass drum. And when you got to use the uh, the spurs, you popped them out. They were really secure. So you could travel with them just locked under the bass drum. Yeah. Take them out, and they were that kind of where you push in, and it's spring-loaded, and you twist it, and the, like the little nipple locks in place. Oh, sweet. That was what their bass drum spur was. So twist in, lock in place, and when you packed it for the end of the night, you pulled them out, and they just popped into these little clips that held them on the bottom. It was the coolest setup I've ever seen. Granted, Fives always had like really high-class stuff. Yeah. Um. That was one of the coolest ones. And like I said, you know, only because I have had issues with those old spurs creeping up on you. Um, but, you know, I know we talk about vintage drums and vintage cymbals. I think we can all agree. The stuff we make now, hardware-wise, is so superior. Yeah. Like, that, it's the way to go. Yeah, I want the old shell. I want the old K. I want this. But I want a, I want a 2021 Tom out. Yeah. For sure. Or a 2021 resonant mount on the Tom. Like, that's that's what I want. Um, so I'm kind of with him. I don't want to see that stuff return uh, it, unless it's going to be super secure and roadworthy. Because if they could make what, the ones that go inside the drum, like have memory locks to where it still goes inside the drum, but when you pull it out, it's fine. <sighs> What if you put the locks on the inside? Ooh. Ooh. And then all you got to do is when you just pull it down, it stops. Why didn't I even think of that? I'm solving my own problems you right start now. Start a drum company today. Start machine forging all your what own stuff. What am I doing? What am I doing? I'm working on slot machines out here. <laughs> need to get a CNC machine. And my dad gave me one of his old weld machines. We'll do it right. I'll weld aluminum. No, that's way too expensive. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'll weld steel. Pot metal steel. And copper. I get some, ooh, a cast iron kit. Be extremely heavy. Yeah, that might be uh, unrealistic. Okay, we're gonna, I'll dial it back a little All bit. All right, so back, back to, to the, the comments old, for on the we draw, get into that On one. the drawing board. Um, <laughs> let's see. Charlie goes, things I never want to see. Revived slotted head tension rods. I forgot all about that. And so annoying if you haven't got the right key. I forgot that Sonar and Premier used to have the slotted. It's like it's like anti-theft for your drums. Someone is going to steal them, and it's like, if they want to, but oh, can't I've, change the heads. Keep, keep talking while I grab my super weird vintage drum key. Oh, you're getting the, the big boy? And then uh, we got Mike Malone goes, I seem to be a bigger fan of players' grade kits over pristine kits. I'd rather have something I can rely on holding up in a session or on a gig. And I believe that's said probably across both me and Steven having 
something that's not uh, too fragile to deal with. So, like he was talking about, I'm totally with you. Let's not bring anything out except standardized sizing for tension rods because I have the, and I don't, have I shown that snare on this live show before? Yeah. Um, anyway, I've got this, what is it, a 16 inch? Yeah, it's a 16 inch. 16 inch old single tension, and it doesn't have the slotted like you're talking about. It has, and you can hold it on your camera. It's got a square, almost like a nut. But it's huge, and just for me to be able to tune it, I can't use anything other than this really odd-sized wrench, sure, and it's, it's old. Focus. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that's what I have to use just to tune that stupid 16-inch snare drum. So yes, Charlie, I am with you. Let's stick with what we have. Everybody, stay on that track. Don't bring back any kind of weird. Oh well, our key takes this. And then you lose the key. Yeah. And then you're just out. <laughs> That's why I'm always scared to touch that uh, Gladstone snare drum. Yeah. Because yeah. if not, I remember Hugh told me, he's like, before you change the heads, he goes, tap every lug till you know what direction's going what. Because I don't have the fancy three-point key. I have the two-point key. He's like, so you still have to touch the bottom head to do one part. He goes, you can't just do it all from one. I'm like, son of a gun. <laughs> and I'm I, I want to change the heads, but I'm not going to. And I want to and I want to tune it, but I'm so scared. Just take it back to Hughes. Let him do it. Hugh, do do something with it. You know, yeah, really? it's like uh, what's that that picture with the the guys like got a stick poke and they're like do the thing. <laughs> yeah. Like Hugh, do He's do the like, thing. I don't want to break it. You do it. Yeah, Hugh, do the thing. <laughs> uh -huh. So yes, agreed with that one, Charlie. Don't bring any of that weird stuff back. <laughs> yeah, and I believe me and uh, Stephen are both fans of the the players grade over pristine kits. Oh, for sure. No, I'd rather to be honest with you. If it had it been earlier on in my life, I'm like, no, man, I want the pristine one. Blah blah blah. And now I'm like, no, I don't care how old it is. We will play it yeah. in the club. So bring me a player all day long. I'll buy brand. I'm to the point where I'll buy brand new new stuff. I'm not looking for any pristine vintage stuff besides the fact that the price goes up astronomically. Yeah. I want us to play it on Sunday nights, and then I want to play it at gigs. So, no, I yeah, I'm with you, Mike, for sure. Yeah, the, the player's grade, definitely over the pristine stuff or the museum quality. And then Charlie goes, and parallel snare mechanisms, too fiddly for their own good. I think I have not had my chance to touch one, but... I, from what it looks like, uh, and this is based upon, uh, what's his name? I'm blanking. Mike Johnston and Kenny Shirt's opinions alone, who I both hold in high regards for their knowledge and opinions, they seem to like the new Rogers Dynasonic mounds and how that works. I know I don't know. I've heard how... a lot of good things about the the, the reworked Rogers. Yeah. Um, but yeah. It's a bunch of extra things, and does it really that matter that much when it comes to I don't your snare think, wires? Like, I, when I, I've always looked at it from from my personal point of view, out in the club, playing Bobby McGee. Yeah, or I remember the name of the song this time. Proud of you, or whatever. <laughs> Proud Mary, Billy Jean. Yeah, 
I Heart Rock and Roll, all those classic hits that you have to play in a cover band. Does anybody going to care about my parallel strainer? No. No. They probably can't even hear anything but just pop coming out of the PA because it's always like a big room and it's really, you know, so... No, tone. Now, if I was recording at home, maybe. That's when it gets down because you got 16 mics to cover. Yeah. The okay. Drum. Yeah. So, I, yeah, I'm, I'm, I don't know. That's a, that's, I'm kind of half and half on that because some of my favorite models are the Ludwigs. Um, what's it? The Buddy Rich model that has that weird strainer yeah. thing that does, it's, I don't know if it's not parallel. It's like half parallel because it only does it on one side. Yeah. Cause, uh, cause on that, Super classic. I have. I have that same throw off, and it, the way it works is that it pops in and it pops out, and so it holds the tension across all the way. But it just literally either it moves it out just enough to where it disengages, or then it moves up just enough to engage. Yeah, it's like I said. I'm kind of torn on it because I do like, and I'm gonna write this down so I don't forget about it. Um, where's the pen? Uh, when we get into the, both uh, over there, oh, okay. Um, when we get into the discussion, I don't want to forget this. Um, something along that lines that I do want them to bring back. Is there anybody else griping about stuff they don't want brought back before we move on to the the counterpoint? Let's see. Um, we got a bunch of comments. Mike Malone says, "Hate being the guy that drills new holes into a pristine kit, but it's nice on players' kits when it's already modified." Yeah, totally yeah. agree. I mean. If you're in the museum game, and that's different, but like that, Pearl I'm, so, I'm so upset. Still, I can't. Gosh, I don't understand. Well, I don't know. That I hurts. guess I can understand because it's your opinion. Yeah, but who likes a floating floor tom <laughs> over a floor tom with legs? Are you something wrong with you? That's why you get cradles, so you never have to drill anything. It's terrible. It's absolutely terrible. Cradles work great. You you work great. I don't want to cradle anything. <laughs> cradle to the grave. I don't want to deal with it. So I will forever take a, f- a floating floor tom and drill holes into it. And that thing is doper now than it was before. <laughs> We're just going to have to agree to just, like, seriously. I mean, I know it's floating. I know that they drill holes in the factory. But just... Just, uh, I don't know. I how to articulate Disagree. It. I, I don't care. We're I'm done. We're, we'll, we'll move on before, <laughs> before we both have aneurysms yelling at each other. Um, and then Richie says, free-floating, easily maneuverable, toms attached to good hardware are my preference, but being able to adjust toms from behind the kit quickly and easily is worth, is worth bass drum mounts, in my opinion. Yeah, just another, like added benefit that you don't really think about until the moment it's like yeah if it's sitting in that snare basket then yeah you can't really fool with it yeah um if it's on that tom mount which who doesn't like a good ball mount or what you know what you can get it pretty much anywhere you want so the, the, the downside with those is the only thing that once it starts slipping you're done true but if you buy pearl drums with a lifetime warranty on the hardware you don't have to worry about well that. the thing with pearl drums is they have no ball mounts anyway except on their fancy symbol things because all their tom mounts are that stupid l-arm thing well that's you know d- that has teeth and that's it or they have that weird locking one that's grooveless yeah hey, for all the groove for all the grooveless nerds that play their drums ooh, 
Shots fired, Stephen. Latincion, press the button. <laughs> so we, we have much. Latincion. Uh, <laughs> much Latincion today. <laughs> uh, we got Michael Benson off topic. Can you guys give this non-drummer a working definition of chops? I hear you guys talking about chops and would like a better understanding of what that means. Take it away, Jerry. So chops can, in my mind, means one of two things. One, the most common usage is short for gospel chops, playing single note, 32nd note, 64th notes in a linear fashion. The other one, chops, is just your licks you play or your playing ability. Yeah, like but, like like anybody says, like, oh, he's got the chops. Like, yeah, he's got good chops. You're flashing the pan. Yeah. Everybody's got something they can do. It's like, hey, that's your chops. But then I think I, I would agree with you. The modern interpretation interpretation would be a linear, primarily a yeah. linear based, uh, flashy fill or system to come up with linear based flashy fills. Not always linear, but hey man, let me show you my stuff, which was subsequently overpopularized by gospel chops. Yeah, because in high school, whenever. Gospel Chops was starting to kind of make its move. We always use Chops as saying, like, you're playing endurance. Yeah. And, and so, like, our uh, instructor was like, he's like, please forgive me. I have instructor Chops. We're like, what does that mean? He's like, I don't get to practice doing snare drum every day. Yeah. I have to practice all these other instruments to stay somewhat viable in those ranges. Like, if he had to play a flute for someone to show them what they're doing, he had to play, you know, I have terrible flute Chops, but... Armature, yeah, you know, and even like horn players, they have to rest their chops, which is their lip for their armature and everything. That was a big thing when our jazz band, if we play like an hour and a half, would let them take a break and we'll just have the rhythm section play while they rested their chops. So, I, like I said, the best way to at least for the modern interpretation, Michael, go on to YouTube and just type in gospel chops, and you will be assaulted by a vomit of drum videos where it is just a cacophony of a drum battle going on and there is only one combatant. <laughs> That's the best way to put that. It's like the Thunderdome. Yeah, really. Two men enter, one man leave. <laughs> so I hope that helped. <laughs> um, we got Dakamomo. I had a, a drone. Oh, a throne like that at the store that I had to fix that needed a specific type of tool. And I've also had guitars like that when I tried to adjust the truss rod. So annoying. I know what he's talking about. He's talking about a, a frickin' rock and sock. Because, you, you know, you, they don't have thumb screws. They have that stupid wrench. Yep. Which is my only gripe with rock and sock is that the way that the pipe goes into the throne, like you couldn't do the same thing everybody else does. You had to have two hex nuts that you all of a sudden have to have the right size wrench for. Like, that always was a pain in the butt. So that's, uh, th I can totally agree with you on that one. Like, what's in your gig bag? I have tape, I have sticks, I have extra washers, and I have 13 different size Allen <laughs> and uh, hex keys with How me. How do you at feel about time? Craftsman? Yeah. <laughs> you bring craftsman a, should not be a viable drum name. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> you bring in... A, on your load in, it's like, and over here I have my toolbox for yeah. anything that goes wrong for all 16 different rods that go on. And don't get us started on DW having to have their own oh, good freaking Lord. threaded. Yeah, come on. 
Like seriously, let's, we were good enough to get to a point where we had standardized everything. Let's keep it standardized. Let's keep it simple, stupid, please. No, it's got to be fine-tuned. It's got to <laughs> have for more adjustability for all the dudes that play your drums at the same low tension that don't need that extra sensitivity. Our drums can only be tuned by a mental connection to the third realm. And if you can't do that, that tension rod will not move. <laughs> got to, like, bring incense and bless the tuning gods or whatever for the drum to get it to tune right. <laughs> 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 we digress yeah <laughs> sorry and then um bb photo jared do do carbon fiber hardware do carbon fiber hardware what i'm, I'm so lost bb jared comma do carbon fiber hardware if they make carbon fiber hardware i'd probably give it a shot probably be I super light somebody did something Somebody did at some point, they made drum hardware out, not out, out of metal. And I can't remember for the life of me what it was now. I want to think it was something Ray Hanser talked to me about or told me about. Like somebody at some point did that. Maybe carbon fiber, maybe something else. Maybe fiberglass. But somebody made hardware out of not metal. Um, I can't think of it now, but I guess it's possible. If you could make a DW9000... In the same shape and rigidity, and make it not weigh like a DW nine thousand. <laughs> I'll be all for it. <laughs> oh, you have all this adjustability without it weighing sixty five pounds. Yeah, that's, that's your whole bag. No, that's just the base. That's just <laughs> that's not even including the the three boom arms or whatever you have going off with your with your doggy bone and puppy bone and all the other accessories <laughs> they make that also equally weigh another fifteen to thirty five pounds. <laughs> I digress. Charlie Smith on parallel snares mechanisms. I've owned premieres to premier two thousands, first gen free floaters, and they're all a nightmare. And just sourcing wires is a right pain. I would imagine so to get it to be just right. And I also like this is also a little side bit. I like I said it's a right pain. Just <laughs> yeah. I like I like all the little like Charlie's little added bonuses from him being across <laughs> the pond. It's fun. It, it makes me have to like think and read more. And I also say it like in my head. As yeah, like with the accent. Yeah, <laughs> I love it. Sorry, Charlie. It's all it's all love. Um, Mike Malone says vintage trend to come to come back. Nope. Is this a, right. is this is a four? This is a four. Wait, hold on, hold, hold on. Off. Any see if we got any negatives okay. first. Rich, hopefully the drum key necessi necessary floor tom leg mounts are long dead. I forgot that guys used to do that. What? Having to have a drum key for floor tom legs. Oh, yeah. No, I, I wouldn't. Because like on, the, on that Ludwig standard kit, I had to put those wing nuts on because yep. I had to have the freaking tool to go through because it was just a bolt. And if you didn't get on tight enough, they would back out. Yeah. And I had the thumb screws. So if I'd see here, I'd do. I would have to go, okay, that one's loose. Tighten it down. It's time to go through and get my handy dandy uh Eight sixteenths wrench on or whatever, and have to go through and. I'm telling half, you, we're, we're in a, we're, oh. this is the best time to be alive. Let's go with the <laughs> hardware we've got now. It's awesome. Let's just stick with that. So I agree with you, Rich. Let's not, let's not be making anything more complicated than we need to. No. And then Charlie Smith says, "Floating floor toms." Ask Steve Gad. I know, I know, I know, but come on, guys. Seriously. Like having to carry around that stupid mount makes me so aggravated. And then you got up. Then all of a sudden the symbol stand doesn't go necessarily where I want it to go. 
it's got to go to hold up the floor tom like i just can't like one of the nicest kits i ever owned was a mapex orion beautiful finish uh beautiful shell everything was nice about it it was 22 10 12 hanging 14 hanging 16 and i hated that drum kit and i got rid of it for that very reason and he even had like the the mapex double tom mount yeah like stand and it's still those those toms moved i don't care what steve gad says i will not submit to the hanging floor tom i used on that that yamaha whenever that floor tom was still a hanging tom um I got cheeky and did one of those Gibraltar clamps that came off the side, and yeah. then I used the rest of the cymbal stand, and I had my ride coming off of it because I also played everything. You see how, how tight my stuff normally yeah, yeah. used to be. I was also playing smaller cymbals and stuff, so everything was all nice. I'm like, I'm I had a weird like ergonomical like epiphany at like 15. Like I have to have anything. My rectum has to be smaller than a 12. It's got to be a 10. It's got to be right here in the middle. My four toms, boom, boom, boom. So all I have to do is go, do, 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 do. And my crash was where like, my tom now is. Like yeah, yeah. Everything was all like now, right it makes here. It, I'm with you. Yeah. But I will not submit to the hanging floor tom. I'm sorry. Time and a place. Then Mike said something that got retracted. Uh, then Mike says, I'm fully aware that my friendship with Jared is now over. <laughs> but... DTSL. Okay, that's the other thing. I don't know about what you're about to say because uh, I didn't read the comment uh, you made earlier because Stephen said hold off. So when we come back to it, we'll see. We'll, if we'll, we'll be there in a we'll second. We'll say we're still friends after this, Mike. We're, you're, you're friends for the moment. And then Dakamomo weighs in on saying, I'd say chops equals technique. Good chops, good technique. Uh, it's a very fluid term. Yeah. He goes, you need technique to play the stuff. Mike goes, there's already 32 holes on my floor tom for lugs, and now you're telling me I shouldn't just have six more for the floor tom brackets. I mean, that's a fair point. <laughs> I will not relent, though. <laughs> I will not relent. Floor tom, or, uh, tom mounts on the bass drum for everything and no hanging floor toms. And then Michael Benson, drum battle, one combatant, perfect. Thank you for... Yep, there the you turn go. Of phrase and thank you for the definition. That's the cheekier, the cheekier answer. Oh yeah, <laughs> Charlie Smith. Axis did the carbon fiber stands ultra lightweight, but they cost an utter fortune. That's right. Then we got Richie Henry. Hardware made from mithril, assuming we can play, we can pay the dwarves a livable wage. It's for all of us. And then you would always be protected. Yeah, and Which, we had, and we would probably know if orcs came because our stands would light up in the middle of a gig, so we're sitting there playing, and then they. I had to actually do that to myself one time. I had to use my ride symbol as protection during a gig. So there was this place before the hurricane, before Katrina, on the beach that we used to play all the time, and it was a big service industry bar. But the later the night went on, you know, you get into really late night hours, and then obviously the less desirable The hooligans. Folks, yeah, start coming out. The cretins, miscreants. Something happened where we played in the back, the stage was here, and off to the side was a little bathroom. And I don't know what happened to start this conflict, <coughs> but a, a, a drunk dude, middle-aged, goes into the bathroom. Whatever had transpired in the other room, I don't know. But about 10 seconds later, another dude follows him into the bathroom. And it's not getting, you know, not getting what you're, we're not going the direction you're thinking. Because all of a sudden, I hear like, the greatest noise battle coming out of that bathroom while we're playing. That's how loud it was. And then 
about 30 seconds later, the second guy that went in came right back out and walked back into the other room, the main room of the bar. About 15 seconds later, the dude, the other dude that originally gone in first comes out super pissed had apparently just gotten his butt whooped. And I mean, it was like a, a single bathroom. There's not a lot of room, <laughs> like enough room for the toilet and then to stand in the sink. And that other dude must have gone in there and whatever happened, he beat the you know what out of this guy in this tiny little room, left him in there and left. So the guy comes out and he's obviously kind of like half dazed, doesn't know what's going on. He stumbles outside of the bar and we think, okay, whatever. The situation dissolved itself. We go back to playing. Yeah. And keep in mind, at this point in my life, I didn't have wing nuts on any of my symbol toppers. I just set, you know, just set the the symbol yeah. on there, and they're not, I don't I don't hit that hard, so they're not gonna come off. So we're playing. Five minutes later, here comes the guy that got his butt whooped, and now he is mad because he has had time to realize what happened and wants his revenge on the other gentleman. He can't find him, so he's just like drunkenly wandering through the bar with a knife in his hand. He comes into <laughs> the band room, and of course, like we stopped playing, and people are freaking out, and all I could think was, grab the ride symbol. And I placed it <laughs> over my chest, <laughs> so I had like a Zildjian A, keeping me protected from this madman. They got security, came in, removed the guy, he was arrested, but for that moment, that's all I could think was like, well, he's not going to get that knife through this ride symbol. No. This is good Zildjian A right here. You probably... Maybe not bulletproof, but bullet resistant. So keep that in mind. If you don't keep any toppers on your symbols, you can then one day have a shield like a faux mithril, you know, <laughs> shield. You can use a ride symbol or a thick crash symbol as a personal defense device. I got to get rid of all my thin K's now. Yeah. Gotta, all gotta, you gotta... need just need to be buying Zildjian A's or Sabian AA's in the hopes that you might have to defend yourself one day. This has been a safety tip brought to you by Bearded Drums for the week. We are not responsible for any OSHA claims brought to no. you against <laughs> you or your company or person. <laughs> and then we got... Doc Lomo said, We did the floating floor tom and outdoor marching for the drum set. I thought it was awesome. But it stayed on a cart. That's the only thing. Different. As long as you... As long as it doesn't have to move, yeah, it's fine. The minute you have to move it, it sucks. Yep, I'm with you. And then Richie said, by the way, Tom mounts slipping. No mounts slip faster than floor mounts. Love you, though. <laughs> I've never had a problem with mine, but again. My floor toms have, the only issue I've ever had with floor toms is they don't go high enough. Yeah, because you and, sit up in the stratosphere when you play. Well, I'm sorry, I need more than... 27 inches standardized floor tom clearance for all my drums. I need at least 37 inch floor tom legs, which they don't make. Well, I hope that everybody feels better now that they got their grievances out. That I hope everybody <laughs> worked their inner demons. Now we can move on to the more lighter side of the topic, and we can go back to Mike's comment again to start us off. What would be, and please share with us in the chat, Richie, all the guys that are here, let us know some drumming trends, not necessarily just hardware, but drumming trends. It could be hardware or whatever that you would like to see back as Jarrett goes back to Mike's comment. Mike says, vintage trend to come back, direct-to-shell tom mounts. Not a fan of suspension mounts, and I take them off all my modern kits when I get them. I know this is extremely 
polarizing in today's world. I love a good DTS. I will admit, like, I really like the Pearl Optimount. I like most of any, but I don't really care. That, 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 that's a solid mount. It's a solid mount. If that's on there, fine. I could care less. You could take a Pearl floor tom mount and drill right into the side of that shell, and I wouldn't care. And I don't think it makes that much of a difference sonically. Like, I really don't. Like, again, maybe if you're in the studio and there's 800 mics on the kit, okay. Yeah. But for the rest of us in the real world, like, I don't think that matters. And I will admit, <clears throat> the Pearl's really solid. Some of them are not that solid. No. Uh, I know the the cheaper ones that, I hate saying it, that Gretsch uses on the like, yeah. Catalina, Catalina lines because you only have those two points of contact. Yeah. And so it's not the best. And if you play those drums at god-awful angles and hit them extremely hard, you're going to bend something. I know, like, on that Catalina from Hugh, he ended up putting an extra cymbal felt underneath the the rubber nipple that yeah. breaks against the shell just because he's like, it's trying to rub, and so he put it there just like this extra cushion. And I'll admit, like, I like the Pearl Optimum, mount, but I don't like the lesser expensive one. No. Uh, the one they put on the Visions that just yeah, had just, two it, points of contact and it grabbed the rim. Yeah, I hated that on mine. Did not like that. I had a, a very scary moment playing in middle school with my Vision, and somehow one of those backed out, oh. and so I'm playing the drum, so doom, boom, when I hit it, that one pops off and then it's just holding on to dear life by that one. Yeah. And I was like, Oh God. Well, then they had two toms, a 12 and a 13, but I was so, 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 so scared. I was like, this is going to be a terrible, terrible night. If this thing just not falls. their best design. No, for sure. And you know, uh, if we're going to, if there's going to be a free floating mount, I want it to grab the lug. Basically. I don't want no rem talk here. I want something to do with the lug, just like on the yeah. Optimount. That that'll be the way to go. But I have to admit, um, the Mapex, one of my favorite kits, those are direct to shell mounts. Um, same thing with the Vintage Ludwig, and I could care less if magically you snapped your fingers and and that reference kit had direct to shell mounts. I would be just as happy, probably even more happy, because that's the most secure connection. Yeah, there's two bolts going through the shell, holding that, and then it's clamping in. So I'm with him. Uh, I, I, I would, I would, I'd be down to see some direct shell come back and not let, you know, maybe not over fantasize about how much resonance we can get out of these drums. They all resonate fine anyway. Yeah, my favorite one is the Yamaha one. Yeah. I, I love the Yes mount. The only thing I don't like with Yamaha tom mounts it's the actual one that comes out of the bass drum sometimes those rods are way too long like un like the one i have yeah is ungodly long and it's not like it's gonna go through the drum like some of those mounts do like the rogers ones where they have yeah. the, the hole for it to go in so you can pick how far it goes i've been trying to find like a really short one a long time ago for that yamaha to work because it have the single post that comes out because it's only that one up and one down. Yeah, but the one I have on that's just so long and if I feel so bad because whenever I hit it, it, I know how much strain it's probably putting on that that ball joint. Yeah, because that because the rod is like that long. It's a ten inch tom. I don't need it. Yeah. to be this far in or whatever. It's like just be kind of here, and I have it to where it's almost touching the shell, and I make sure it's tight so I don't like poke any more holes or. Yeah, make the finish worse than it already is on that one spot. Yeah, but 
But I'm 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 with you, Mike. Director Shell. I'm down with that. I love Director Shell. Uh, if there was something you would like to see return, what would be something you would hope they would bring back? It's a very small, hey, m- minute we're thing. We're accepting here at Bearded Drums Live. But I think it's so cool is the the keys with the mounts that are on the shell of the drum. Like the Gretsch. Yeah, yeah. like Gretsch. Or like Slingerland has the one where you just pop it in and out. Like on that Ajax that Hugh did mm-hmm. on the hoop for the bass drum. That to me is so neat and it's so convenient. I don't have to have it on top of the snare drum and if I hit it, it flies off. No, it's just... It's like a sheath for a sword. It's yeah. like, you know, boom, tighten it up. You're done, clicks back in. You're good to go. And those things don't move. And I'm kind of upset I forgot to take the one off for that Ludwig uh. that I sold. And I'm I'm tempted to ask the guy, but like, hey, man, I'll pay for postage if you don't want that uh, that key on the bass drum hoop. It's like. No, that's always been a super. I love that about vintage drums. And I think you're right. I don't know why every drum company's going to give you a drum key anyway why not just have it mounted onto the bass yeah or or the floor tom or whatever or what yeah whatever um and obviously the the premier version of that being the gretsch system yeah that's the classiest looking super secure i I love that about upper end gretsch or vintage gretsch when you get the the drum it's so handy yeah no it's cool i'm i'm with you um, that would be something I would, and, and I don't think it would cost them that much. No. You know, you don't have to put it on every kit, but put mm-hmm. the midlines and up, put a uh, a drum key holder. Yeah, and if you're not going to have it on the snare drum option, I would say next best thing, put on the floor tom, because it's right there. Ooh. Anywhere, who cares? Yeah, let's, just let's we're talking beat about myself up. A yeah. mounted base, uh, drum key. That's, yeah. That is That would be, yeah, I'm with you on that, for sure. I like that a lot. Um, something... That I'm a big fan of, I would like to see more of, for at least for like smaller drums at least. And you have it on one of your bass drums. I have it on two of mine. It's the L arm that comes out for a cymbal mount off the bass drum. Oh yeah, I mean, granted, anybody can go pick up the Gibraltar thingy. Yeah. Um, but like you said, making that a standard option, which I think I have to give Pearl again credit on those. Um, Presidential kits, uh, the deluxe kits that are coming out, those all have a bass drum uh, cymbal mount. Yeah, I, I love those. The only thing, the only gripe I have is you. they can sometimes be finicky. And you got to get like, what's that called when that put the, the texture? Uh, knurled? Yeah. It's got to be knurled and it's got to have good teeth for it to go through for you to do it. Otherwise, I get scared of having this teeter-totter either towards the yeah, left or to you. the right. I think you can make it super secure, not be super heavy, and be light. I'm all about it. I think it's rad. Yeah, and that's. I think there's a lot of cues that can be, you know, even though our hardware is better nowadays, as far as the ideas, there's a lot of cues that can be taken from the vintage stuff. Yeah. The uh, bass drum, cymbal mount, the drum key holder. Um, they did some cool things back then that just using modern, techniques man you could kill it as far as the hardware goes so I, that was that was two uh two things i would agree with for sure uh that, you know that you mentioned uh before i say mine what are they are they uh let's see if we got anything uh new richie says the trend of setting up your symbols tilted towards you versus symbols set up flat like a catalog picture 
Um, they go, I know that's not gear, just a gripe. No, well, I wouldn't say it not have to be a, a gear thing, but from back in the day, that's how everyone played because everything was a ride symbol, yeah. and you had to be able to play it. And that went out of some fashion, I guess, because of kids playing more aggressive music wanted to crash their rides, and they all played them flat because it looked cool, and all their drums were flat. I think it was like an aesthetic thing. When I did hear uh, Steve Jordan talking one time on some random video about because it was like footage of him playing on what did he play on the late show early on or the I tonight believe, show whatever so. he played yeah. on. and the guy was asking him like look at how high your symbols are you know because it's like like most of those guys from like the early 90s like they're playing a yamaha five-piece kit and then the symbols are like way up here and he's like oh well you know back then we just wanted to be seen and that's how we did it you know that's how you could see the drummer's face was put all the symbols up so high that you know the toms are here, and you can see that face right there. Yeah, because I want to say if um, on the whoever Jay Leno's drummer was, that was part of the thing is that when he set up his kit originally, uh, one of the producers was like, "You got to move those up." Yeah, and they go, he, face, "He's bro. like, why?" He's like, "We can't see your face." He's like, "We have to have a shot of everyone playing." He's like, "We have to be able to physically see your face." That's part of the thing, and so. I guess those guys started doing it, and then everyone just moved everything up. And also a weird trend from that day was everyone sat so low. Granted, yeah. Thrones didn't Steve become... Gadd still sits low. Yeah, and I, I get back problems with watching him. I think Garibaldi sits up a little bit higher. But he's still a pretty low sit. Yeah, and then Dave Weckl's the same thing. He sits ever so slightly higher. Kalahoot is the same way. And Ursula, that's just part of them from yeah. Blanks. So that's yeah, that, that, how they that do it. Yeah, that whole uh, class of drummers yeah. um, from that time. Uh, yeah, you're right. It was like low sitting. Everybody played Yamaha, and everybody's cymbals were Stupid sky high. high. Yeah, <laughs> knees and throat sky yeah. high cymbals. <laughs> like where they're probably as high as their cymbals win is probably where my rack tom starts at for most of those guys. Yeah, if, I, if I said I'm like getting next to him, like Kelly Huda's like Schmeagel, you know, and Precious like playing like this, and I'm just like, what's up, guy? Just like <laughs> looking down on, I, mean, I would, I would never look down on Kalahuda, but I'd physically be looking yes. down on him, probably playing. <laughs> now I'm with you. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and then Mike says, "Don't know if this goes back far enough to fit the vintage trend, but I believe all electronic drum pads should be shaped like hexagon octagons. <laughs> they're not, fool, they're not fooling me with that realistic looking e kits. I always loved." The uh, Simmons big octagon pads. pads. Those are so cool. Shout out to a guy. I uh, forgot his name. Uh, something Chambers who played for uh, King Crimson. Oh. Uh, I can't think of his name. It's not Matt Chambers, is it? I can't remember. I'm looking so dumb right now. I like King Crimson. But they had like 16 drummers they went through. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Anyone out there is a big Crimson fan, big King fan, let me know. Um I always loved that. Those, and they always had the crazy, like, bright colors. Like, oh, yeah. The red was so cool. Like, if you're going to play an E-kit, I wanted it to be like, give me, like, mint green, hot pink. Give me scuba yellow. Oh, that'd be sick. Yes. <laughs> that'd be dope to have. Not, I want some black round. No. I want you to know I'm playing an electronic yeah, piece of Yeah, neon game. yellow. Oh, like yellow? Like, no. Neon yellow. I wanted oh. to have lights and like flash when I hit it. It's like, but we're trying to be subdued. Gaff tape. I'll fix it with gaff tape. I'll just put a sheet over it. You can always hide something. You can't make it more vibrant. Um, my suggestion, something I and uh, I don't think it gets brought up very much, and it's really because of Hugh. Um, Hugh had a Leedy Broadway, 
And the coolest thing about that snare um, was that it had the top hair, top hair, top head snare wires. That was the coolest sounding snare of his, I think. And I think the only reason he got rid of it is because that top mechanism was given out. Yeah. Um, nobody's mentioned that. I don't think anybody mentioned that yet. Um, and I don't know what that's called. That system. But I mean, yeah, basically we're talking about where you have the snare wires on the bottom of the head, but also deployable snare wires for the top of the head. And I've always wanted to get my hands on a Leedy Broadway that had that on there for that simple reason. Sticky Wicket's got a cool video of him showing that off yeah. on his channel. He let me play that drum, you know, many times when I was over at his house. And I always noticed, like, it sounded great, like a good yeah. vintage, you know, lead with Leedy with the bottom snare wires on. But as soon as you throw up those those tops, top head snare wires, I'm not a brush player, but I would imagine it's very beneficial for a, br- a brush player but it just fattened up the tone so much more yeah i love the way it would you know that that snare drum sound so and i know it's probably more like a boutique request or something like that but if somebody would bring back a dual snare a snare system that would be super cool to no me. old marching snare drums used to be like yeah, yeah. that or uh, like I, for uh, the same uh, reason i always wanted to buy a pipe drum you know because of that top head snare well, i mean granted it's not the same thing because it's all kevlar and synthetic gut snares but um that would be something cool to do or if you had the money and you could call up pearl and be like yeah masterwork snare but i want top snare wires as well yeah that would be something i would love to see come back but that's a little kind of nietzsche i'm sure i know on marty hurley's rope drum that he had that 16 by 16 um the way it was done whenever he played it the way that the top snares were done that went over top because it was basically having like two cutout hoops. Yeah. But the wires ran further towards you. So like that being in the hack in the half, it's like in maybe a third, maybe a or a fourth from the middle mm-hmm. over and you would that's how you played it. And so you had those that came across to so another mechanism. You had the ones on the bottom too. Yeah. Because you're playing sixteen by sixteen with calf heads. you're not playing the tops not it's gonna be something like a Boom, 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 a little sizzle on top. Like you're like you're frying a piece of bacon. Yeah, and really. you want someone to hear that bacon from outside. Yeah. And it's like, you hear that sizzle, that sweet piece of bacon? No, I don't. All I just see is moving a pan. Yeah, really. That's what, so what it would have been like. Uh, any more from them before we uh, keep keep our train moving? Let's see. Um, and then Richard Henry says, drum companies that don't offer drum key mounts are liable for the crab people that sneak away with drum keys when they <laughs> land under your pedals. They really are. Uh, they should be, for how many drum keys I've had to buy over the years, Yeah, they resp- They I should get like a, a stipend, like it should be like a class action lawsuit against every drum company. <laughs> it's like, you owe me at least three keys. But like, that's all it takes? <laughs> yes, three keys. And I'm happy. And I'm happy. But I don't want those crappy, you know, $2 ones at a, at a no, 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 store. No, no, I want no, the no. logo key. Yeah. Oh, give me the big twisty one from Remo. That's my favorite. I bought two of those. I'm going to buy another one. They're just nice. They're <laughs> handy dandy. But in your drill, too. And then we got Charlie Smith. Just ordered one of the new bass drum rim-mounted cymbal mounts from Pearl. Really excited to place nice. my old Gibraltar DW hybrid arm to make that kit look a bit slicker. That's on your Natal kit, if I'm not mistaken. Correct, Charlie? That you're getting that replaced for. Because that'd be dope. Yeah, send us some pictures uh, when you get all that stuff set up. So I would definitely love to see that. And then Richie Henry, again, Steve Smith used to sit practically on the floor, but the power stroke made him so 
made so much sense from that angle. The balance is Billy Ward. Oh, Billy Ward for sure. Like the yeah. most ergonomic player ever. I love the way his kit's set up. It's just the neatest thing. And plus, like, he puts the chinas underneath his rides as the sizzle mechanism. Yeah. Doesn't use rivets like me, like a regular normal person. He's got to put the uh, got to put the china underneath it. Have the china life. And then he's got all of his toms and the snare all in, in the same direction, yeah, all angle. Yeah, like a fan. Yeah. Just kind of going down. He plays so, yeah, so I, I'm good. I'm a big fan. I love Billy Ward. Big fan of, uh, of Billy Ward for sure. Then we got BB Photo. The Mapex Sonic Clear suspension mounts are decent. Yeah, as, that, on the, as on the Armory series and above. Those are solid. Just don't give me that that magnetic. The cheaper version. Yeah, basically. yeah. Don't give the cheaper. Don't give me that magnetic shenanigans. Oh no, that thing is that is the absolute definition of overkill. Like, yeah. Let's add eighty hundred thousand pounds to your kit with these magnetic floating futuristic tom mounts like i just yeah, it's I, putting I, a v in a volkswagen beetle there's no yeah, need come on no, no thank you no uh then we got mike says vintage trying to come back drummers wearing headbands and headset microphones on stage bring me back <laughs> to vintage tommy <laughs> lee motley crew the headset i have a headset microphone <laughs> when did did you used to sing backup I've got, I've done like gang vocals before, um, and like I said, when I worked at Magnolia, there Time was out. gang vocals like where you're not. It does. It's like when there's a yelling part in the song, oh. you're not like singing oh, on a okay. note. You're just yelling out whatever the word is. You know, never gang vocals. Such are you doing? Yeah, they're just like being the street sharks again <laughs> from doing We're gang vocals for your vocals. <laughs> We're coming for your vocals. But no, uh, I've, I've, so I basically would buy anything when I was at Magnolia, and that was one of the things I did buy. So I'll wear it for you one night, Mike, and we'll we'll bring that back. I'm excited <laughs> to see this. I did not know you had that. <laughs> well, who is bringing back the headband right now? His name is Jacob, uh, J- Jake Reeds. He's a super nerdy, big, big 80s mustache on yeah. uh, YouTube and uh, Instagram. And guess what he plays, Stephen? Gretch. Oh well, and he's yeah. got he's got some sick Gretch pieces. He's got a, a six. He's got a sorry, yeah, sixties round badge, yellow satin flame. I mean, that's, you it's know, tight. Until he can get some pearl, that'll that'll definitely. He, def- he has no need for pearl because he's too good for it. Let's <laughs> <laughs> keep that in mind. I did see the video of somebody, or it was him himself, playing the. How do you say his first name? Gorgo, Gorgio, Borlai. Gergo. Gergo. That snare drum that he had Gretsch make him is dope. That brass one, it is so nice. Those are, I will give them all credit on that one. Those are super, super nice. I got to watch the Steve Maxwell demo. Yeah. That was. I, a, I wish I wish Steve himself was playing it. It's yeah. that younger cat with the yeah. big mustache, but like, put the old man on it. <laughs> put the old man on it. Let me hear what's going on. Let me hear what it's supposed on. to sound like. <laughs> Nothing against you, kid, but I want to hear old man chops. Old man chop on a on a hot brand spanking new, not old man chop snare drum. It's not made for old man chops, but I know he'd make it sound good. <laughs> and then we got oh my god, it's flooding in. I love it. Okay, well hold on, pause for a second. Oh, this will be my next one. Okay, um, and I, this might be an unpopular one, but I just I grew up with them. I played many drum sets. Uh, some of Ray's uh, Ray Hansers included in that. I would not mind if they brought back power toms. I, (laughs) 
like, dude, and it's and and I don't even know if I can qualify the statement saying I don't. I think they should bring back power toms. I think they should bring back power toms only in ten inch. Because for me, a ten by ten is like the coolest drum to me. It looks so silly. It does look silly. I'm not gonna disagree with you there. But I have played on so many kits that have power toms, and something about a squared up ten is really cool to me, and I love the way that it resonates. Now I know they can be kind of a pain in the butt to tune. Yeah. But and they you're right, they do look completely silly but if we're being fantasy life right now <laughs> i want to see some power toms going on 10 12 13 14 16 18 in all square sizes well, if you're bringing the power toms you have to have the mounted 14 not on legs it's got to be it's got to have the, the dts mount it's got you got to have the actual 14 <laughs> where everything is Almost flat because you cannot put it over your bass drum. Yeah, really. <laughs> Even I don't sit high enough for power toms. And I'm like, if I can't use them, no one should use them. <laughs> like I said, I know it's probably an unpopular topic right there, but uh, that would be something that I would like to see come back. Uh, at least give me a 10 by 10. A 10 by 10 is such a cool drum size to me because probably because 10 is my favorite like tom size in general. And then I've heard so many 10 by 10s that sound great i would love to see that shell pack the steven special pack you get a 10 by 10 8 by 12 no 13 because 13 sucks a tune and then a 14 by 14 so you're telling me only these two are squared yes 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 yes. don't worry about it <laughs> don't don't question it why not make the 12 by 10 the 10 by 12 no no, no. it's gotta be the eight it's gotta be because i'll agree 12s for me have always been the, the problem child in tuning i'm not the best at tuning a 12 i can tune a 14 great i can tune a 10 great 12s i don't know just something about the way my ear hears it so the easier you can make it by making it a 12 by 8 or an 8 by 12 uh all the more easy because i really hate tuning 12s i've always had a problem 10s easy 12s i don't know and then i get to 14 and it's back to easy again i never understood why that drum was so tough for me to tune i need sound like a drum i need uh i need cody uh, to tell us the science behind why a 10 and 14 are so easy to tune. I know they did a video on it a while back, but they never went as deep as we as we want to know. We're trying to get. We're trying to get. We're Bring back to, the power times. We're doing string <laughs> theory over here. Everyone else is just playing. I'm oh, sorry. Let me get the, the easier version. We're playing chess, and we should be playing checkers that's right, right now. <laughs> so that's mine. I know they've got some more. Um, then we got... Dave Drake says, I have some Simmons pink pads along with some black and white ones. Started playing electronic September of 1985. Simmons S7 at $4,500. I wasn't even born yet. I wasn't even a th- I was a th- three. I wasn't even a thought in 19. And, and it's not even about the fact that you weren't born and I was three. $4,500? In 1985 is, is a lot stupid of money. money. It's like $11,000. Yeah. In 80s money. Like, wow. That's expensive. That's expensive for something now. It's like buying a car. Like. Car? Drums. If I could pick a Pearl drum set to buy right, to be given for free right now, those are $3,600. they are not even $4,500. Yeah. Like, that's a lot of money. Good Lord. It's, like buying, it's literally, after inflation, it's that's basically a, a Craviato kit. Pretty much. Or Noble and Cooley. Like. And I guess that was the Craviato of the time. Like, hey, man. Look at what we're doing over here. You don't ever have to carry a drum again. Does your bass drum sound like a dog whistle? No, it doesn't. Do you want it to? 
Now it does. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> and I bet the most of that price, I know that some guys are looking after this old uh, head or brain modules for all those pads, too. Yeah. Um, one of the most popular brain module or brains out there is the um, man. I'm is the Alesis D four. I think is what it's called. It's like from the late eighties or nineties, and I think you can get them for like a hundred bucks on eBay or maybe that. I have to look it up and see if I can find one. But uh, I've I owned one at one time, and I have to admit it had like some of the, the Alesis. It had some of the like most natural sounding. There it is, D4. Natural sounding drum sounds for like so long ago. Here it is. You can find an Alesis D4 for 149, one for 100, one for 149. Like they're all over the place. That's like one of the easiest ones to use. Uh, you know what is it called? The Zendrum thing. Yeah. Um, every dude I've ever seen that owned a Zendrum, they had an Alesis D4 to control it. So if you're looking for vintage uh, brain drums. You can find them right now on eBay for about 150 bucks. Solid. Then we got uh, Richie says music videos of drummers playing in the rain. No, I can only imagine <laughs> the. <laughs> I mean, if I ever got cool enough with my band to do a music video, and they're like, "All right, we're gonna." Get you soaking wet in the rain, playing in the rain. I was like, you're going to go out to the local store. You're going to get me a Medini kit, and I'm going to – and that's fine. We're <laughs> going to put we're gonna put Gretsch or whoever endorsed by on all my stuff. We're going to get pot and pan lids, and we're going to spray paint and Zildjian on it, and I'm going <laughs> to play that in the rain. There's no way you guys are going to put anything on real drums. That is – like that guy that puts paint on all of his kit and plays it, it's, oh, cool. it's that, cool, but God, I... It, it, is, it, it is cool, and, you know, I mean, obviously he's, like, using that kit for that one purpose. Yeah. At the same time, it's like, mm, no. It hurts me. I, I'm like, I like it. It's cool. It's neat. You're burning it, putting symbols on fire. I'm like, as long as I know that that kit before that did not hold a big value, <laughs> I'm just like, it's just, it's coated in paint. It's been burned. It's got God knows what else is he's thrown on it, experimenting to like, does it have a cool glitter and stuff too? Probably. Like, yeah. Is, if it was a cheap kit made out of foam or something, I don't know. Anything that I wouldn't feel bad about, cool. But if I ever find out that, oh, this is actually some like, like, why? Like that dude that cut down a 1970s floor tom. 16 by 16 he cut it and put it in a suitcase for a suitcase bass drum i'm like and i even asked him the film like did you just cut down a 1970s champagne sparkle ludwig floor tom he goes yeah you could have cut anything down anything down i was like <clears throat> I, I i wanted to i wanted to comment on him be like you are such a giant expletive 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 <laughs> and it's like how dare you it's like and it's in champagne sparkle yeah, you could i don't you see found... any champagne ludwig floor toms Little and you're it's from it's a blue and olive badge and you cut it in half. You could you could have found a, f a first act for ten bucks. I would have given. I would have mailed. I would have paid for shipping for that one. I have just cut that instead. <laughs> Anything else? I would. I would rather buy him something brand new that sucked instead of him taking a nineteen seventy. That's gone forever. Yep. Very true. That could have finished someone's kit, but no, he had a saw the son of a gun in half. <laughs> I wanted to cry. I'll show the video. I was so 
angry for views. Yeah, for views, man. For, for views, that. hype like, beast. <sighs> dumb. Greg Bizonette gave me a drum key with a flashlight on it, balling. Nice. I'm now I'm jealous. That's I'm one. You get to meet Greg Bissonette, who looks only but one of the nicest guys in the in the world. Like I bet him and Thomas Lang would oh, be they get, would they get great. Would be just nothing but just fun of smiles and laughing and high fives and concert toms. And concert toms. And then BB says Jarrett metal hack saws are cheap and useful. I did that once. My dad had a couple old dull saw blades, and I went home, and, and they, the hole was just big enough to fit on a cymbal stand. It was a lot of fun. I was, like, super into, like, Aphex Twin and playing, like, electronic stuff. Mm-hmm. I had, like, cymbals and broken bits and things that Dad had given me all scattered across my drums trying to be cool. On that kit, of all kits, when I had I play that, on a buzzsaw blade. It was dope. He told me to, like, be super careful because he kind of doled it a little bit because he didn't trust me. Yeah. But still. It was fun. Like a little eight inch circular saw. I was like ding, 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 ding. <laughs> but duct tape, because I didn't know what gaff tape was at the time. True. That was fun. Good old days. <laughs> and then we got Dr. Momo says, nope, too far. Charlie Smith, it certainly is just waiting on a delayed Pearl shipment, though I tend to use a bass drum cymbal arm on whichever quit, whatever kit I'm gigging with. I'm excited to see that when you get it all done, Charlie. Dakamoma, oh man, you should have heard his singing at the cannery. You, I don't know if. Let's see if I I might be able to do this. Hand me the iPad. I mean, this is this goes to show how much I love all you guys because I'm about to make a complete fool out of myself. <laughs> <laughs> I can get this video to airdrop to the laptop. Um, I will show you guys some of my antics from Friday night. We were having a really good time. We were cutting up. And I took some liberties, you know, with acting a little silly. Let me drop this into the folder. I hope nothing's like I'm not messing anything up. Well, a fun thing that Steven does do is uh Okay, he can have that back. Whenever like old eighties songs come on, he does like the scream uh not scream but yell or whatever the lyrics. It's um it's a wail is what I like to call it. And it's fun. Um all right let me load this up and hopefully I don't kill you guys with the volume let me title this real quick we'll just call that me and then let me look for the video okay and it should be right there let's alright so I just want to say uh, yes Bill Bruford Henry uh, Richie is the guy I was trying to think of thank Bill you. Bruford yes yeah Bill Bruford okay so like I said we were, we were we were having a really good time it was just a fun little small gig um, having a good time so I started cutting up and uh, <laughs> there was like a blank unused wireless mic next to me so I started playing around with that and then I when you see me yelling from the stage I'm yelling at Derek <laughs> 
Oh. So if y'all saw the uh, the first episode where we had a guest on, Derek Fountain, this is me yelling at Derek from the stage and screwing around in the gig, hopefully. So that is me screwing around at the gig on Friday night. I'll show you. We're, um, we're, we're, we're getting close to the end here anyway, Jared. I'll show you. That was great. I, I love that. That was awesome. I'm sure you could probably tell just by the uh, by the facial. That's all I, that's all I, I was, needed to know. I, I could put everything up. together from that. That was beautiful. <laughs> so there you go. There, there you go, Doc. I'm, I, I showed it off. I'll show it. I'll show it one more time when we end the show. Um, so which we're getting close to the end. Yeah. Any more uh, comments on what they think should be brought back? Drum Let's train. see. Uh, BB Photo says, Jared, all is a magnetic mountain to hold your drum key wherever you want it. It's not the same. I can't put magnets in the middle of a floor tom on you the bass drum. You want that tactile tom. snap. Yes. Pacow, pacow. Bam, bam. Then we got Mike Malone. When Steven says gang vocals, he really means backup vocals, but I can't harmonize or match pitch. I only know this because that's my specialty as well. That is <laughs> right, my friend. And we church it up by calling it gang vocals. <laughs> Love it. Charlie Smith, power toms are the worst. No question, the absolute enemy for those of us of a smaller nature, <laughs> myself included. Because yeah, Charlie is a is a tiny. I mean, I'm dude. with him. I'm not say I'm not disagreeing with anybody's <laughs> counter argument. I'm just saying they sound cool. <laughs> I know they're a pain in the butt. Richie, ten inch power toms sound like tubes. Contextually cool, but looking at power toms make me six. sick. Sick. <laughs> I'm probably brought this up. Probably encouraged so many drummers to sit low, angled <laughs> out, but Iron Maiden still rules. I am so glad that I brought this up. I finally got them to turn on me. Mike Malone's his power toms down. <laughs> I wish I had two of my hands to give them power toms. Four thumbs down. <laughs> then we got Mike Malone, pink Simmons pad over Craviato. Any day. And then Dave Drake, yep, the SDS 7 Simmons was the best of the time. Originally got it in white and through the years found some different colors. I met a dude at Best Buy in Diaberville and I was wearing some shirt or whatever he's like oh you play music i was like yeah i'll play drums and then i showed him the little symbol thing that you made for me and hugh and, yeah. and phil or whatever that our initials on it and he was talking to me and he showed me these old photos he got to do something back in the 80s whenever simmons had ju just started yeah and he had like some prototype things and he helped them like work with he's like yeah i used to do all this stuff because he knew ray hanser and a couple other folks the names i mentioned but I thought that was like of all places. Yeah. And he showed me his. He had like one of those massive uh, TD twenties or whatever. Oh like, yeah. Like the the big boy electric yeah. kit, like the actual bass drum. That was cool. I never thought you know I met Best Buy buying yeah, really. a. I was getting a TV, and then for my mom, this is forever ago. I was like, oh yeah, this is cool, whatever. And I was like, yeah, I play drums. I'm like, what are you playing? And he's like, boom, boom, boom. Here's my kit. I'm like, that's awesome. I'm a Lisa's master. And then he has these old photos he showed me of the old Simmons stuff he was playing. He's like, I love the pads. He's like, they didn't really like the amp that much, but he's like, <laughs> love the pads. <laughs> like, they're like, their amps aren't the best. He's like, we use whatever instead. I was like, well, that's cool. And he, that is cool. And he gave me the whole rundown and had his whole like little mixer board from back in the day he showed. 
He put like guitar pedals and crap through it. I'm like, that's neat. I don't know who we played with, but it was somebody cool. They got, someone got the cool end of a stick on that one. Yeah. And then we got Mike Malone. A trend I think would be marketable that hasn't broken into the kit world yet would be those on two raps for marching drums that are not permanent. Oh, I'd yeah, love to yeah. change my kits, rap per the gig, stage, etc. I don't know why they haven't thought about get maybe just because of just the different lug um sizes that yeah. would be hard to do because you'd have to have one that's like you look at those drums right now we got round we got bow tie and we got whatever you want to call them apexes teardrop yeah and then we get to yours and yours is like a hybrid between the teardrop and the bow tie one so you'd have to they'd have to make cutouts for every manufacturer which would probably get expensive true and they'd probably make them pay a royalty true to yeah. have to be able to use the outline of their lug uh, on those but wraps. still, that would be a cool way to, you know, or maybe one day in the future we get to the point where they have digital shells where you can literally just hit a button and change the color, <laughs> like an LED shell. Wow. Which I guess I could kind of do that with the crystal beat that had the lights in it. Yeah. That was fun. Um, it, was a, it was a while. It was probably a couple of years there where it was like the band didn't even get compliments anymore. People would literally come up after the show and be like, that drum set is so cool. <laughs> I mean, y'all were good and all, but that drum set looked like, <laughs> not even me, like, like, oh, your playing was, was cool and all, but that drum set, man, wow. And it was like, yep, it was the like a marketing coup d'etat. Still so mad you never gave, there's two things that you did not give me a heads up about you getting <laughs> rid of. It was one, that Crystal Beat kit, and two, that Dush Garn, Slingerland, White Moon Pearl. Yep. I'm still upset over those two. I will never let you drop that. Mistakes, hey, look, mistakes were made. Uh, all I can do is move forward and learn from my, <laughs> from, from my, from my mistakes that just don't get rid of anything anymore. Well, I guess I guess the only thing. Granted, I'd only known you for like maybe a month at that point. True. Didn't know if I could trust you yet. Didn't know you could trust me, and I and I bought th- what three snare drums <laughs> yeah. and a kit that day. Like, I might get rid of this next Still, day. Man, that was just a bait purchase. I had to see how serious <laughs> you were. Over here playing the long con on our friend. I see how it is, Stephen. We'll, we'll see how he plays out. I'll keep them in the back of my mind. We got Mike Malone. Okay, so I already said that one. And then BB Photo Magnetic Drum Key Necklace. I'm not a big necklace guy. I'm trying to get into the jewelry gang. I've been looking at uh, a couple cool pendant bracelet shenanigans and been trying to make me another anklet since I broke mine the last year. The only person that's cool enough to wear a necklace is Chris Coleman wearing that tiny little... Shakir, that little mini Shakir he always has around the his shakere? neck. Shakere? Whatever. Shakere. Would be Chris Coleman with his little mini Shakere that That's he awesome. wears from his neck. Like, that is the only person, in my opinion, that is cool enough to pull that off. My friend uh, Colin, I'm blanking on his last name, not Lockie, uh, Beasley, Colin Beasley. He is an amazing dulcimer player. If you know, a dulcimer is a. Uh, Irish instrument. It's like a piano, but you with strings, like how a piano is done, but it's open facing. You use little um, hammer type sticks yeah, to little. play with. And he's got a cool necklace, and it's a djembe on his. Oh, that's cool. But Colin also has like three foot long dreadlocks. He's super cool. I like, I love Colin. Super sweet guy. And he's been doing a little like video game uh, covers of uh, like Legend of Zelda. Yeah. Or yeah. He's won a couple of contests and stuff for his dulcimer playing. That's I didn't know cool. I didn't know what that was until I met him at Southern Miss in two thousand and eleven yeah. for summer drumming. 
big swoopy, the big coconut hair we all had in high school in early 2000s, or, or, or 2010, he had that haircut. I'm like, so what do you have to do besides play tenors? I'll play dulcimer. What the? Interesting. Is that? Like, what the, is that? He's like, oh, it's a... Pulls out a video and he's, you know, he's like, I've been practicing, you know, getting to it. Years later, here he is yeah. going, doing festivals, being like one of the headliner guys, like doing stuff. I'm like, go Colin. Yeah, that's my, super my, cool. My boy. Keep, the, keep it, keeping it uh, keeping it different. Because it, it is technically a percussive instrument yeah. because you have to strike it. Like a piano is a percussion instrument. No Very one, true. Not many people know that. They won't admit it, that's for sure. Well, Technically, you're a keyboard player, right? Nah, you're a percussion player. Sorry, you, something you, striking something. You play keyboard. <laughs> uh, we do not recognize that title. <laughs> the Pianist Society does not recognize <laughs> that title. <laughs> well, that's it for comments. Well, good. Um, well, like I said, you know, I think we all, if if we all can't necessarily agree on what we thought should come back. I think most of us can agree on what we think should not come back. Yeah. Um, so let's keep it simple with the hardware. The other part, I mean, y'all are just going to have to understand that power toms are the way of the future. And the sooner that all of you guys get that through your head, the better off we're going to be. So it's power toms for everybody. I disagree. <laughs> but I'm going to pull on the Donald, the, the DT. Wrong. 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 Power toms, Wrong. Okay, I'll give you that on the power time. So, um, like I said, we might not be able to agree on what we think should come back, but I think we can all disagree or agree on what should not yeah. come back. I believe we are as a collective unit. Yes. <laughs> it's on this on, on our side of things. I don't know what everyone else on the cool side of the internet's gonna say, like, Oh, what you mean, man? Gonna have mine gotta have my ten by ten. All the cool <laughs> you guys. You never know. You never know. Um, so that is gonna do it for us today. Thank you all, as usual, for hanging out with us. And even more today than usual, y'all really were stepping it up in the comment section, making the chat go very lively and adding to our discussion today. Yeah, it was hard. I was getting lost in the comments. I had to, had to pull my glasses down and look a little bit. Thank That's you, right. guys. So thank you all for making it you know, very lively today. Anything that you need to get off of your chest before we get out of here? Um, nope, just remember... To uh, change your passwords, and I'm going to pull a Bob Barker and remember to spade new to your dogs. That's right. <laughs> and always remember that if you want to hear the audio-only version of the podcast, we are obviously live every Thursday, 6 p.m. Central Standard Time. But you can catch the audio-only version of the podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Spotify. Simply search Bearded, Bearded Drums. Drums. So, as usual... Thank you for hanging out with us this week. Thank you for enjoying the chat with us. Are we on for regular schedule next week? Oh, yes, sir. Sweet. Thursdays are still open. Okay, so we will see you guys next Thursday, 6 p.m. Central Standard Time. And as always, we will catch you on the next one. Later, guys. We are out of here. <laughs>